Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's up, San Diego? Welcome into this Tuesday afternoon. Tony Gwynn Jr., Matt Scraby, Chris Ello joining us in a few hours. He's uh, with the uh, Women Aztecs Hoopers out in Utah, taking on Utah State in Logan, I believe it is. Logan, Utah. That's right, yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll hear from Chris uh, a little bit. Later on in the show, uh, a plethora of different topics to discuss. NBA trying to make some noise today with a bunch of different things. Really, starting last night in, in our daily gambit, I think uh, Joel Embiid made uh, uh, his presence felt. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Carl Anthony Towns also did his best impression to keep up with the Joneses. He uh, had 62 points in a loss and uh oh. their their uh their 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 head coach Chris Finch did not like the way things went down so we'll have that for you perhaps later on in this segment but Mr. Uh, Scraby yes, how sir. how are you today my man I'm doing great I didn't get stuck in any puddles on the way here I didn't tell you guys this story cuz we were kind of busy all, yesterday we need to I, I, did you ever hear from Chris because I know some people who were trying to go to La Jolla Country Day and got and couldn't get there because the highways oh. were crazy. By the way, the rain that we got yesterday, I don't know that we've ever seen. I've never seen the city underwater in in, in areas the way that we saw it last night and this morning. Yeah, it was uh, there was a National Weather Service tweet, and it's saying that it was the fifth most rain as of last night. It was the fifth most rain in San Diego in a day in the history. Like number one it is eighteen fifty four, and it's on par with. I mean, that was like three and a half inches, but yeah, it's crazy. And the the flooding was insane. And I mean, so, you saw cars, yeah, like, like things that you see in the Midwest where there's a lot of rain. They get these heavy storms. Man, it was it was crazy to see it last night. I hope uh, everybody was okay. I know um, some people lost their their vehicle for sure. Yeah, and I uh, didn't tell you guys this. We were really busy before the show yesterday, and I just kind of forgot, but I uh, almost got swept away yesterday on the way to work. And Are you being serious? I'm being serious. Like, really? Okay, when I say almost got swept away, I mean I didn't get swept away, but there were moments in time where I thought maybe yes, I was going to get swept away. away. Water was that heavy. So I was I I was going to work and the regular way was closed down because it was flooded. Which, which way was the regular way for, for those who you know know? Oh your well, commute. it's five south, but like from my house to the freeway. Oh, I got you. I got you. So I went the back way through like like Branch Santa Fe, Solana Beach, or not Solana Beach, but yeah, that area. And I come across this one bend in the road where the river has risen over and it's now flowing down. And so I'm like, oof, this is not good. Um, I don't know where else to go. And there was a car in front of me, like a Honda. Civic, I think it was. And it went through it, but as it got to the middle of the the the, the water, it was like bubbling the exhaust. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, oh no, is this person gonna get stuck? No, they didn't. They barely made it out. So I sit there for a good 15, you're, 20 seconds. You're like, contemplating this. Do I do it? And I'm like, I'm right here. 
I, I, I don't even know how to go back around. I, I was about to say that the, going through those back roads, uh, Rochester Bay area, it's not that easy to like hit a not reverse easy at all. And, and go and, the other and way. And I'm, I'm likely to encounter this elsewhere. <laughs> right. So I did it. And as I was going through it, I, for the first time in my life, felt the power. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like, okay, this is how people get caught in yeah. this sort of problem. Yeah. Because you don't realize how strong the water is. And I felt it pushing my car as I was driving through it. It was very scary. Yeah, water's a bad you-know-what. You know what I'm saying? It is a bad you-know-what you know is right. <laughs> it just doesn't play around. But no. uh, a lot of rain last night. We have A.J. Casavelle to join us a little bit, talk a little Padre baseball. Marcus McNeil in the 3 o'clock hour. we got a big five as well. And hopefully Chris is here uh, to, you know, have the fantabulous game show that I know you're hoping he is not here for Scraby. That is correct. I'm hoping he's not here. It just doesn't ever go well. I get I'm so angry about it that I have I've resorted to accusing you of cheating on multiple occasions. <laughs> yes, you have. That is your <laughs> yes your is your go-to at this point is that I'm cheating. All right. Uh real quick, just a reminder, you can watch us now on YouTube. Uh are the are the cameras on? Cameras are cameras up. Scra- are on. Scraby's ready to roll. You can watch us on YouTube X or Facebook, we are streaming the show live right now. If you want to chat with us, you can do so on YouTube by searching 97.3 The Fan. Okay, a few Padre stories. And I don't even know if they're necessarily Padre stories, per se. But uh, Michael Lorenzen, Noah Syndergaard, apparently threw a bullpen uh, up in California, somewhere in California. 16 teams were there, including the Padres, allegedly. You know, we don't can't confirm any of this, but... Um, Certainly, uh, you look at the Padres. If they want to add some depth, these are some some names that you could certainly look at. Michael Lorenzen is through through the no hitter last year in the Vans for the Phillies last <laughs> the year. Vans, I forgot about that. I'll always remember him for that. But he he had a decent season last year. Now he, I think, after the first half, he kind of he kind of went the the wrong way in terms of his numbers. But Noah Syndergaard's a name that that we know. Um, had some struggled a little bit last year. He struggled over the last couple of seasons, but uh, certainly the Padres may uh, kick those tires to see uh, if there's some depth there. <sighs> you look, you look distressed. Who's I, I'm definitely distressed. Who's distressing you in on this list here? I not so much Michael Lorenzen, but Noah Syndergaard is more of a a, a name draw than anything because people know of him as Thor, but he's not been good and. To me, if the Padres are at this point where like Noah Syndergaard's going to be a guy that they're considering for the rotation, allegedly, I think they're in. Tr- I think they're in trouble, and I would start to feel like that if this does happen. I don't know that he is uh, if the Padres are considering him or not, but yes, um, yeah, correct. It is a it is an extra arm, but if all these other teams don't want him. Then why why but all these other teams don't have the same needs as the Padres? Yeah, but the Dodgers, the Guardians, Dude, the who else Phillies. do you want the Dodgers to sign at? No, this point? but what I'm saying is, is like the Dodgers let him go in the middle of the year last year in yeah. a year where they needed pitching. They didn't have pitching, so they, they were had, they, they were had, like, hey, but they had pitching that was in their minds was better than Noah Syndergaard, so there was no use in holding on to him. Can you guess how old he is? I just saw this. How old is he? 31. Yeah, it's about right. But what I'm saying is what he's shown me in his last three seasons is not something I'm interested in if I was a GM. Got the pitching whisperer, though. What do you think about that? (sighs) 
I mean, I love he it. He might be able to. You might I love to, the pitching whisper. But pretty say some, tell him some things. At a certain point, when you keep bringing these, rec- I'll say reclamation projects, and they don't get reclaimed or whatever. Who the hasn't? Fr- who hasn't been reclaimed? Well, what I'm saying is, you stop becoming the pitching whisperer when you start taking on so many clients that they're not turning it around and now it's like oh well he didn't turn around that guy he didn't turn around that guy as i believe I, in the as, pitching whisper as i said we don't know what where the padres are on this but it's the only little bit of padre news that we could drum up today so there you have it uh there was some baseball signings joey gallo he signs with the nationals day one year five million dollars uh, i believe the dodgers uh came to an agreement too with uh the lefty That'll come i haven't seen this one yeah, last night. All right, well, they were closing in on a deal. Um, used to be with the Yankees, with the the Mariners as well. Hmm. Well, it'll come to me at Is some point. Is he a starter? Or a... He's a starter, left-handed okay. starter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go to the NBA because that's been making the most noise here uh, today. Oh, it was Paxton. Paxton, here you yes. go, James Paxton. Yeah. Uh sound like they came to an agreement with him as well. So they 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 got his they got they got they're pretty deep in terms of what they have for for pitchers there. So But James Paxton isn't like great, right? I mean, he's a start, he's a big league starter. All right. I don't know if I consider that. I mean, these good. names these names are not the names that I care no, I mean, about. But you don't need you don't need a a five-man rotation with a bunch of that. You it's just need dudes who can, can give you some innings. It just seems, I'm not even talking about the Dodgers, but it just seems like there are a lot of good players out there right now that are still waiting to find a team. Yeah, but you got to have the money to, in order to sign them. I'm talking as it pertains to the Padres, right? Cause, oh, I, yeah, I know that. You, you I know, know that. Okay, you got to work with what you got. I'm not sad that they didn't sign Joey Gallo. I'm okay with that one. I mean, $5 million bucks. Not I, I saw some displeasure with people out there. Here's one displeasure that, in terms of why is he getting by me or, or why, why, why didn't, didn't the Padres... Padres go after him? But here's another thing that I put on X earlier that angered people. But I saw some rumors that in uh, people just discussing whether or not Clayton Kershaw should like talk with or the Padres should talk with Clayton Kershaw, and a lot of people said no on my poll, which I completely understand, but. If he's willing to no, because they think he's washed. No, no, oh, no because he's a Dodger. He's a Dodger. That's oh, he's a Dodger. But I would, I would, and someone made a great point that they're going to have to apologize for the crying Kershaw meme if he ever wants to come to San Diego. <laughs> but uh, I would much rather have Clayton Kershaw make five million dollars than Noah Syndergaard. Well, we don't know Noah's going to get five years, five million dollars. That's true. So. Nevertheless, okay, let's get to the NBA because they they have made a lot of noise today. Adrian Griffith, who is who just got the job after the Milwaukee Bucks decided to move on from uh, Budenholz. Yeah, Budenholzer. Yeah. yeah, they just they decided to move on from him uh, because of the lack of success in postseason. Here they are, not even what we're five months into the season, four months into the season, and he's already getting the axe. He was fired today. Um, this team is thirty and thirteen. I was just thinking they must be terrible, they're, right? No, they're not. They're second in the uh, in the Eastern Conference behind the Celtics. Now, there's a lot of crossing tentacles here, right? You got the Bucks virtually traded out True Holiday, who was their point guard, to get Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, again, they're thirty and thirteen, so it's not like it's been a bad trade. Of however, the team that 
True Holiday ended up joining him, happens to be the number one seed ahead of them in the Boston Celtics. And we know what type of year the Boston Celtics are having. Um, the Bucks, who have been known for as a defensive team in their run of success here, are third from the bottom in terms of defenses of efficiency this year. So clearly there's been a drop-off. I mean, you lose one of your best defenders when you trade it for more offense. You can kind of see the trade-off happening there. How is it the head coach's fault that they traded him? Because it, it, it seems like that's a front office thing. It sounds like he just didn't have the voice in that he was the players weren't buying into what he was selling. Well, if that's the case, then that's not good, but half a season this is this is seems like they're and, pulling the plug it, real early it does i mean listen it's hard it's hard to justify when a guy is 30 and 13 now you do have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard on the same team some would say you better be 30 and 13 at this yeah. point uh, but he is that's the problem bucks general manager john horse said this was a difficult decision to make during the season we are working immediately towards hiring a new our next head coach we thank coach griffin for his hard work contribution to the team uh the front runner on the list right now is doc rivers who is working for tnt he's doing the games back to what he was doing before he was a coach last time um and it you know i I think the thought is you're gonna have you can't bring you're gonna have to bring somebody in with some championship pedigree now some would say are you man i don't know doc rivers postseason success isn't a whole lot better well, it's better because he's actually been in the postseason. Adrian Griffin didn't really get a chance to get to the postseason. No, but he would have been in the postseason. <laughs> he certainly would have seemed like he was on his on his way there. But uh, that's it's been a, a kind of a, a surprising kind of firing. Uh, very surprising. It reminds me of like college football head coaches where they sign him to like a seven year, seventy million dollar deal, and after like three games, they're like, "Oh, we're done with you. <laughs> this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work." I, I feel really bad for Adrian Griffin because I'm sure this was very exciting when he got this job yeah. and he's doing well. But do you think he'll land? I mean, he's not going to land another head coach job this year. But do you think this affects him going forward? It may. It, it may, it may not, though. I mean. I would think that a thirty and thirteen resume is is pretty, pretty good. good in the NBA. But then there might be the those who like why are they why did they what is going on? They fired you when you were thirty and uh, thirteen. Yeah, that makes me also. It might make you hedge a little bit. It leads me to believe that maybe, like you said, his team might not be buying in and they're winning because they're so good. There was an incident earlier in the year where him and Giannis seemed to be getting into it. Oh, um, on the I side didn't know about this. I think Giannis didn't want to come out of the game, and he was pulling him out. And, you know, he put his foot down. He held his ground. Where's well, uh, the head coach? He, he did. And Giannis went on to his seat. And, and then he went back right into the, the no, general manager's office. I see, office. that's not what I said. That's not <laughs> what I said. I know that's what you were going to allude to there. <laughs> uh, but that's just one of the many NBA stories we got going today. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Joel Embiid going for 70 on the on the anniversary of Kobe Bryant going 81, 18 years to the day, uh, that was backed up by Carl uh, Anthony Towns. His sixty two, little different outcome for his. We'll get into that. His coach will certainly let you know about that. Uh, we got a, a large, a loaded show for you today. A, a trade in the NBA as the deadline gets closer. We got a lot going. More Gwen and Chris when we return. If anyone tries to tell you MLB is dying. James Paxton is 35 years old. It's been five years since he's thrown 100 innings in a season. 
He had a 4.50 ERA last season, allowing 18 home runs and 96 innings pitched. And he got a $12 million base salary from the Dodgers, plus incentives. On the same day, the Pirates signed Araldis Chapman to a pricey deal. The industry is wealthy and healthy, and that's according to <laughs> Buster Olney. Welcome in to Gwen and Chris, Tony Gwynn Jr., Matt Scravey. Hanging with you till 6 o'clock. Chris Ello will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, I think Buster has a good point. Baseball does, despite the, what we, what's a good word, the car wreck of the local broadcasting deals. Oh, yeah. Uh, business is booming, it would seem. No comment. Because usually when I hear that, I also hear owners say they have no money. I mean, certainly the industry as a whole seems to be booming. A lot of, I mean, Chris has pulled, you know, the hair he grew back in <laughs> uh, basically over the amount of money that's being spent on guys that he may feel aren't that great. Yeah, I think it was Lance Lynn. That's, got, that got, got him really kicked off. I think it was $11 million, I think he was 11. There. I think Gibson was like 12. So basically, Chris said, if you have an arm and you can throw a ball, you're going to make a million dollars. That's $11 million, I'm sorry. That's how Christopher feels about the situation. So. I, I, I don't understand, like, I don't understand spending to begin with. It seems crazy that some of these guys are worth what they're getting, but, like, there's no real set market, right? It's just... It's just going off of what other teams are no, spending. It's, it's, there's a set market. There, there are comps that team we don't we don't know them, but mm. all these agents they have big databases with guys who crunch numbers and and can pull up comparisons. You can see, you could probably get let's let's say for instance, um, let's use Blake Snell. Scott Boris has a, a, a list of players that have. Similar numbers that have made, you know, that have set the market in that or have been underpaid in that. And, you know, you can make your own determination of where you fit amongst those things. But all these teams have that as well. And so, you know, I think what's been unique this year is we've seen AAVs kind of manipulated because of, you know, being able to push the money away for a little oh, bit. You mean deferrals. $680 million in deferrals? <laughs> deferrals and things of that nature. But, you know, uh, business, is, business is healthy. Most attendance, we've seen attendance go up across the board with the exception of, I think, two teams last year. So baseball is doing very, very well at this point. Um, let's go back to the NBA because we had two big-time scoring days or nights last night. Joel Embiid put up 70. Uh, I mentioned it was on the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's 81. I think it's 18 years to the day. I mean, listen, this it's usually a guard or a forward we're talking about putting up these kind of numbers. We've talked so about hit a bunch Booker. We've talked about Harden. Um, but Joel Embiid continues a nasty pace that he's on in terms of 30-plus points. He he's going to be an MVP conversation should he play enough games. He's already kind of borderline on that right now. But seventy points last night, and it, San Antonio never doubled him one time. <laughs> That's kind of strange that they wouldn't do that. But I liked how I, I think he's one of nine 
people to ever score 70 or more points in a yeah. game. I like the picture that he took later with the him 70, in the, the 70. Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah. yeah, where he like wrote 70 on a piece of paper like Wilt Chamberlain did. But we made a bet on this yesterday, and we were like 35, 35 and, a and a half right? Like that was really hard for us to figure out, and he doubled that. He just doubled it. Well, we knew, we knew we were in trouble because Chris was kind of keeping an eye yeah, on it. Yeah, 24 Eddie. points, I think, <laughs> in the first, <laughs> first quarter. quarter. It's ridiculous. They get 70. They end up winning. They beat the Spurs last night. Now, on the flip side of this, Carl Anthony Towns had himself a heck of a night. 62 points. I think he knocked down 10 of 15 three-pointers. This is a big man we're talking about. The result, however, was not the same. And his head coach, Chris Finch, was not happy about it. Well, I mean, it was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball um, all the way through the game. So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump, so... This is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach. Just because you've scored two or three or four points in a row or baskets in a row doesn't, you know, obviously we're going to try to feed a hot hand, look for a hot hand, but at some point we got to get back to making the right play. we got to get back to doing the right things. Um, and, um, you know, that's just, uh, like I said, there's a lot of ways to be immature. There's always a lot of ways to be immature. Um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the the roster, we totally disrespected the game ourselves, um, and we got exactly what we deserve. So, that's not something you hear from the 2024 head coach in the NBA. My first thing was, how is that locker room <laughs> going to handle this? Because I heard the word immature five times in the last five seconds. And what he was referring to, as we mentioned, Carl Anthony Towns was having himself a night. He finished 21 of 35, 10 of 15 from three, 10 of 14 from. Uh, the free throw line. Um, and ha- oftentimes in the NBA what happens is a, is a guy will get hot and a team will play the hot hand. And you heard uh, Chris Finch mention that. But at some point, the hot hand isn't as hot anymore. And in order to keep the the team dialed in, you got to start you know making the right play, making the right pass, making the back right cut. And there was a lot of one-on-one play. With Carl, Anthony, with Carl Towns? Anthony Towns. How many shots did he take last night? He took 35. That's uh, a lot of shots. <laughs> you could argue their best player on the team could be Anthony Edwards. He only took 11 shots in that game. He was 3 of 11. He finished with 9 points in that game. He had a, a plus minus of, of plus 7. Whereas Carl Anthony Towns, despite that, he ended right in the middle. Zero. So he didn't benefit them. He didn't. He didn't hurt them. Now he was. Now there's his defense. He was plus. I think seventeen going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, they lost an eighteen point lead. <laughs> and he, and he played his worst. I think he had twenty plus in the first, twenty plus in the second. He had in the teens in the third, but he had like four points in the fourth quarter. I mean, I think I like that the coach is willing to say this in a world where it's very difficult to say this in yeah. in public about your team, especially with a team with so many young guys like the, the Timberwolves. Have. The kicker is the Charlotte Hornets were four and seventeen on the road going into that game. And Sometimes this is the only way you can get your team's attention. They outscored them thirty six to eighteen. Here are the score the score breakdowns. Minnesota actually they were they won they scored thirty four thirty two in the first thirty five thirty two in the second. 38-28 in the third in favor of Minnesota. They got beat 36-18 in the fourth and lose that game. So um, 
And by the way, this isn't your normal Minnesota T-Wolves. This is the number, I think, two team in the West. I couldn't believe that. Number two team in the West. When did they Conference. get so good? I don't know. They've just been accumulating, like, number one picks. That's, I mean, that helps. Yeah. Anthony yeah. Edwards has taken off. Carl Anthony Towns is, is one of the better big men. they got a good little, good little thing working there. All right, let's get to break. We have A.J. Casavell when we return. Talk a little bit about the Padres. He wrote an article about Bogarts and his uh, sustainability at shortstop. We'll get into that and more when we return. More Gwen and Chris on the way. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 2.36. Tony Gwynn, Jr. Match Gravy. Chris Ello will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Scrappy, who was the imposter that was claiming to be you on the radio? Uh, no idea, but my voice does not sound like that voice. I I have to think that they messed with it after I submitted it because I would never submit something that made me sound like that. Yeah, you sounded like you got kicked where it hurts. <laughs> like I, yeah, like that, I, that. I swallowed a bunch of helium and <laughs> I was like, hey, everybody, it's Rusty Fat Loss here. I have no idea why my voice sounded like that. Uh, but that was when atrocious. His, when, his, when Scraby's commercial came on, both our heads like were down and it popped up like, who is this what guy? What is this? That's pretty funny. AJ I'm crawling out of my skin over here. AJ Cassaville will join us here shortly. We'll talk a little Padres baseball. Spring training, uh, not far Less than we're less than we're, we're weeks away. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Because I've worked with you now for five years, and usually you're good at this point. But I don't know. Baseball season's creeping up. You ready to go? I actually am. Really? Look, I'm 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 ready. For, okay. For for baseball season, I think um, a lot of cool things happening. Obviously, going to Korea is pretty. That is cool. Pretty exciting. I still think this team is is talented. You know, I know there's some some holes that. Need to be covered up, but I'm also one that knows you. You never know where they're going to be filled at. They could be filled within the organization. Um, certainly, there is a lot of talent in that minor league system, so we'll see where it goes. One thing I think we need to to be more clear about in terms of the Padres: they are not spending money, not necessarily because they don't have it. But there's that old that that really annoying third year tax that you mean the fifty percent tax the fifty percent tax that hits you if you are over for was it the third straight season third straight yeah Padres have been over the last two and they don't want to be over a third so you have to look at it in the same way you saw the Dodgers do last year which is they pretty much decided not to participate in free agency in order to stay under that tax exemption or to stay under that tax number and then the Padres are in that position this year they are trying to I think avoid that 50 percent tax that you know not everybody is 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 can pay or wants certainly wants to pay I think what we need to know is that even the teams that have the most money don't want to pay that tax right. like that just the, tells you how much of a penalty it is it's, and it's designed to keep teams from just 
blatantly overspending and in, in being in that area. There's a penalty for it. It keeps things somewhat fair. On our line right now, A.J. Cassville, one of our favorites. A.J., how are you? Your off season is coming to an end here quickly. Oh, that's not that's not a great way to welcome me. I, I enjoy the offseason, you know. And I I enjoyed spending my offseason Friday night last night watching the Nets beat up on on the Lakers. Oh, oh yeah. Even the Nets are terrible. I didn't want to let that get swept under the rug if I was coming on the. Nor, nor should you. I have to tell you, that's as salty as I've been this season watching the Lakers. So salty. They they were handling business, and then the third quarter came, and it was like. It was a it was an imposter team out there as the Lakers. They got drummed by Brooklyn, and uh, I certainly don't do this often, but I definitely took it in a little bit of happiness as the Clippers came back and beat them the following day. <laughs> and I never do that, Ooh. but I, that's how upset I was. AJ, uh, Padres. Well, I was at that game actually. You went to the game. The Laker tickets are too expensive, but the Clippers tickets I can get. Really? That's that, surprising to that me. Is, that is a, that because is, the Clippers are just so much better than the Lakers right easy, now. Easy, easy. That is a not-so-secret secret, secret uh, deal there. Before we get into the baseball, I have to ask you about fantasy basketball. No, you don't. Tony was telling us the other day that he is uh, still struggling. He's got some injury. But how are you doing this year, AJ? We know you struggled last uh, year, but this year? Yeah, terrible. Tony. Really, really bad. I, I Tony and I got to figure something out for next season because this, we're both we're we, both we've been at the bottom of this league for a couple of years and I'm pretty good when it comes to like other stuff like I've, I've won my fantasy hockey league a couple of times people don't don't watch hockey that much but this fantasy basketball league is yeah I, I, I haven't been able to figure it out I'm I, I'm getting pummeled every week so maybe maybe the two worst teams combine next year and we come together or something because right now it's not working for either I'm relegation I'm, maybe I'm, we, if there was a relegation <laughs> we would be kicked there. out already okay. that's how bad it's been uh AJ Casville joins us and, and AJ obviously the Padres uh they still have some things that they they have to address uh it's looking more and more as we get closer to spring training that it's not going to be one of those big splashy uh bad boys it's going to be something along the lines of of late you're hearing reports Syndergaard and and Lorenzen had uh, had bullpens and Padres were in attendance is that the kind of signings that we can look to uh in terms of filling some of those open spots I think maybe for a signing that would probably be the level. I think I still think it's possible there's some some version of a trade out there that that comes to fruition. Maybe that's that's not necessarily any reporting on my front. That's just kind of knowing the way AJ Preller operates and the way he goes about getting his guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the, at this point where where the Padres are and kind of what they've shown so far this offseason, there are still plenty of holes on this roster in the outfield and the rotation. Uh, maybe the way to go about getting those guys is is in some bargain by low signings like, like that. And, and on the pitching side of things, especially they've proven that they can take those guys and turn them into real legitimate options. So we'll see uh, kind of where that fits in with, with what the, with what they're trying to do. Talking to AJ Casville, MLB.com here on Gwen and Chris and AJ, we were, well, I, we weren't talking about this yesterday. I was talking about this on Twitter this morning and I got crushed for it, but have you heard anything about the Padres and let me just get this out of the way. I am not saying that the Padres should sign Clayton Kershaw. I just asked the question. But do you think that the kick, the tire kicker, A.J. Preller, should kick some tires on Clayton Kershaw? Well, I think the tire kicker, A.J. Preller, has probably kicked tires on every free agent available. <laughs> okay. uh, he's, uh, Kershaw, Kershaw, I think, maybe given the injuries he's he's dealt with, depending on like what he'd be asking for and where and where you'd be uh, 
where the Padres would, would kind of be with their rotation. I think they might need just a little bit more certainty in terms of what they're getting innings-wise innings wise from a, from a starting pitcher. Obviously, Clayton Kershaw is maybe the best pitcher of this generation and everything, but he's, he's not that guy right now. And, and you want the innings in a rotation that doesn't have a lot of guarantees right now. I mean, even, even you, Darvish, and Joe Musgrove, who are, as far as we know, healthy and going to embark on a regular spring training, they're coming off injuries last season. And so – when you're when you're trying to find guys, if you're trying to find guys on on bargain deals, I think you're looking for guys who who can can be guaranteed a little bit more innings than that. AJ Castleville joins us here, MLB.com, and AJ. We often spend our time talking about who they don't have on this roster. Well, what they do do have on this roster is the likes of uh, Xander Bogarts, of Fernando Tatis Jr., and, and probably most importantly, Manny Machado. Machado. Now. He's coming, going to be coming into this season having had elbow surgery, but he's also due for a bounce-back season in, in, in regards how big of of a season does – or, well, a bounce-back season, I should say, have in, in, in terms of where this Padre team can go. Yeah, he's, he's obviously critical, and I've been kind of going around position by position on this roster writing about each spot, and third base was the one I did last week, and it, it was just – probably the simplest one because he's the guy he's entrenched there for a long time. And you kind of know you're going to get, you know, what you're going to get in terms of the effort and, and what he's, what he's going to bring to the table and the fact that he's going to try as hard as he can to play every single day. Yeah. If he's healthy, I expect him to be back in that MVP discussion. Like he's been basically the last couple seasons when he has been healthy. And so I, I just think that, uh, after the way last season went, after maybe some of the blame that he got for, for whatever chemistry issues were going on in the Padres clubhouse, and I think, I mean, I think there was plenty of blame to go around, and I know Machado's status as the highest paid player and whatnot puts him in the spotlight, but, but maybe some of it fell a little too squarely on him. I think there's going to be so much incentive for a guy like Manny Machado to, to, to use as motivation for turning things around next season when he already doesn't need much of it to, yeah. to kind of get to what, what we've seen at an MVP level when we've seen him at, a, at an MVP level before. And so I think he's the kind of guy that, that uses that stuff and will probably use some of the, the talk about the Padres this off season. They were obviously so nationally relevant last year, this year, it, it feels like nationally they're an afterthought and Manny Machado is the kind of guy that internalizes that and uses it to drive him. And so if I'm guessing, I, w- I would say that he's right back in that, in that upper echelon of player, all MLB, maybe back in the MVP discussion this season. Well, that'd be a great thing for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're talking sure. to AJ Castleville here of MLB.com about the Padres. And I know you are not even to spring training yet, as Tony so rudely pointed out at the beginning of this, that your <laughs> offseason was almost over. But And so I don't know if you have an answer for this, but how many of the guys in AAA, AA, and the minor leagues are the Padres realistically looking at having on the opening day roster? As of right now, obviously, there's there's some spots available. Now, I think there's those those spots are going to dwindle over the next couple weeks as the Padres sign guys even at the fringes of their roster. And and so I've, I've said this a few times. I don't think the Padres want to go into the season expecting their guys at AAA, AA, the guys like Jacob Marcy, Grand Pauly, those guys to be definitive roster guys like like they kind of are right now if you're mapping out a, a 26-man roster based on the players the Padres have. They want those guys to have to earn their spot. And so you want to you ask your high-profile younger players to earn their way onto the big league roster, whether that's in May, whether that's in June, whether that's at the start of the season, if they have a really big spring. And so 
I don't think there's probably that many places available for those guys come the start of the season, but the Padres are probably pretty clearly banking on those guys to make a leap. And I don't know which of the guys it'll be, but you want those guys to, to, to maybe not just be on the roster because the Padres don't have anyone else. The Padres need to sign maybe two more outfielders, another bench guy. And if one of those guys supplants a proven major leaguer to earn that spot, then you say, Hey, all the better. We have, we got room for you on our roster and, and go out and contribute. You mentioned you've been writing about some of the positions, position by position, and you, you've hit on the shortstop spot. Xander Bogarts in year two uh, with this Padre organization. Now, it, it didn't start well for him, but it certainly ended very well for him. What do you think year two looks like for Xander? And more importantly, possibly, is it at some point, are you having to address the defensive side of this, or are we still another year away from that? I mean, it, it depends on kind of how he defends this season. I think if you get what you got last season out of him, he's, he's a perfectly capable, adequate shortstop, and yeah. then you have three outstanding defenders around him in the infield. Obviously, there's the question mark about whether whether Hassan Kim should be playing shortstop. I think it's, it's not even a question. I think Hassan Kim is a better defensive shortstop than Xander Bogarts, but Kim has proven his value enough and brings enough value at second base yeah. and the fact that Manny Machado might open the season as a DH coming off that surgery, so Kim needs to play third. Kim's in the final year of his deal. There's just a lot of reasons why there's more stability keeping Xander there at shortstop for the time being, but that is all predicated on him kind of maintaining what he's done the last three seasons defensively. He's become a better defender at shortstop, and shortstops typically don't age well defensively. But since he's kind of made some adjustments to his, to his pre-pitch routine and, and kind of the way he attacks the baseball defensively, he's become a, a decent defensive shortstop, which when you pair it with the offensive numbers that he, that he posted, particularly in Boston, but even last season, like that's a pretty good player. And so I, I would agree with you. I don't think he had a – he obviously didn't have the kind of year he wanted to have in year one in San Diego, and he was still a, a four-win player because yeah. of what he does offensively and how he pairs it with, with what he does defensively at shortstop. That's a hard player to find. And so if he can just take – if he can – I mean, he was really, really good in Boston for some of those seasons. I think 880 OPS the last the, – the five previous seasons before coming to San Diego. I mean, even if it's somewhere around like 830, 840 next season, which I think you can expect from a guy who hits like Xander Bogart. If you look at what he did in the second half last season, I think yeah. it, was, it was around 850. Uh, that, is a, that is an extremely valuable, useful player. And, and the Padres, if, if – if they get what they got defensively from him last year, and like I said, it's hard for shortstops defensively when they when they kind of creep into their thirties. Uh, but if they get that, that's a that'll that'll be a really solid season from him. Talking to AJ Casville, MLB.com. And last one for me, AJ. We were talking yesterday. I found this prediction that Luis Campusano, with at least four hundred plate appearances, would hit twenty home runs. Do you think that would do you think that number is too much, too little, or just about right? That sounds just about right to me. The 400 plate appearances is, is the obvious kind of question mark yeah. that's, that's, that's glaring to me because he hasn't he hasn't done that yet. And that's not to say he can't. It's not to say he won't. I think if he gets 400 plate appearances, which is probably the right number to shoot for also, I mean, he's not – you don't want – you probably don't want a catcher in his first full season in the major leagues getting 550 plate appearances and being the everyday guy. And it's part of the reason they traded for Higashioka was to, to have a, a 1B to Camposano's 1A. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, his ceiling is extremely high. And he's kind of one of these guys where the Padres obviously are not going to replace 
Juan Soto with with uh, with, one, with one. There's no other Juan Soto coming into San Diego. But if they get a little bit more from Machado, a little bit more from Bogarts, if they get a guy like Camposano breaking out and he can be healthy for those 400 plate appearances and do what he did offensively, you start to see the pieces of why this offense could and I think maybe maybe should be better than what it was last season, even when they had Juan Soto. Lastly, AJ, I, I, you, you kind of hit on it a little bit in, in terms of the um, up-in-the-airness of, of Joe Musgrove, or no guarantees, I should say, with you, Darvish, and Joe Musgrove. But those two coming in are, should be healthy to start spring training. How big of a deal? Because remember, both of those guys had setbacks or and or – you know, the World Baseball Classic last year, how how important do you think it will be for those two to, to have a healthy spring training in order to get off to a right start? Yeah, if those guys have a healthy spring and, and just kind of a regular buildup and they get out on they get out on the mound, maybe maybe those are your two guys pitching in the Korea series. Like that is that that is huge and a stark contrast to what happened last season when the yeah. Padres got off to their slow start and didn't have those guys reliably for early in the season and didn't have them at the end of the season either. And it's just, if, if, if those are your two guys and if Blake Snell's not coming back, that's, those are the, those are the guys you're going to rely on. And there are, I, I just, there are obviously question marks. They're both guys in their thirties who are coming off injuries. And so everything we've heard so far this off season is positive on that front, but you just want to see them get out during spring training and, and build up throw those two innings and three innings and four innings and five. And once that all becomes real and they get to the point where they're ready for the regular season, if that's the case, that is that is so big for this team because on top of those guys being really good pitchers when they're healthy, they're kind of the leaders of this rotation and two of the, the most well-respected guys in that clubhouse. No doubt about it. And, and them getting off to a healthy start could, could pay big dividends. AJ, uh, we're going to do this more often, man. It's about that time. As I told you before we started, <laughs> your time is coming to an end, as is mine. Uh, we, we appreciate you coming <laughs> on, you, man. Thank you, AJ. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, brother. Take care. AJ Casaville there, MLB.com. Just uh, talking some Padres. Still some some things they that I think most people would say that they would like to see um, – get taken care of in terms of some of the roster spots, but patience is a virtue. I've been trying to tell myself that day after day for the past, like, two months. Like, I thought, you know, before we went on our holiday break, Padres are definitely going to have some guys that they've signed by the time we get back and we could talk about. Who said that? That's what you said? That's what I said to myself. And I was like, that's why I'm not going to panic over the holiday break. We get back nothing and still nothing. I'm not literally panicked but i am you kind of are i okay fine (laughs) okay okay, fine as someone who stresses about being prepared for things and with something as big as a season coming up for the padres not having more than two outfielders would really stress me out if i was aj preller i I just have this strange feeling that he's okay that they're gonna have more than two outfielders I just, I just have this you know, weird feeling. You're probably right, but I said this on the Scraby Show last night, and I said, "Who are the what the names of those players? I mean, there might be players in those spots. What if you don't know their names and they? I'm come fine out with a no namer. Okay, well, what's the problem? Do you think they're going to actually start the season with two outfielders? No, no, okay. no, no. I definitely don't. I'm just saying, what's the quality of their outfield going to be like? That is the question. Boom. Good, good question. Thank you. 
Let's get so can break. I be panicked officially now? You can you can kind of be panicked. We got a daily gambit <laughs> coming your way. I'm going to attempt to bring some of my own bets. Whoa! To the daily gambit. Today. Usually Chris does it, but he's not here. Plus later on the WWE and Netflix just got paid. Paid. And it's just telling me exactly how our future is going to be. We'll discuss. More good and Chris on the other side. All right. Any minute now. We're going to find out who will go alongside Jim Leland in the Baseball Hall of Fame. We are minutes away from finding out what the final vote tally was. Remember, you have to have 75%. We talked about it yesterday. I think there were five guys that, at least of the ballots that had been turned in, were trending in the right direction. Seems like Adrian Beltre is a shoe in Oh, someone on the chat said Beltre better make it this year. Yeah, no. He seems to be a shoe in at least from the votes that have already been taken. Sounds like Todd Helton is going to get enough, oh, uh, okay. at least in the votes that had been given. So now Chris can wear his, his Tennessee Volunteers <laughs> football jersey in here. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember who the other one is. I think Billy Wagner had been polling well. Now, these are... Only, I think it was 188 total ballots that had been publicly turned in and they had tallied. Um, Gary Sheffield was right at the 75% mark. He was tallying well. And there was one more. I'm, it's, I'm missing it right now. Andrew Jones was just underneath. Uh, what about Joe Maurer? Joe Maurer. That was the other one that was trending in the right direction. So that, um, you know... One thing about one thing we know about the the MLB network is they're going to drag oh this goodness. thing out. Are you? It's been you're, on. You're being serious. <laughs> it's been on since one. It's been on since one o'clock. I'll give them credit though. On the website, it did say the awards are being given out starting at three. Starting so at three. I didn't have to waste those two hours watching. It's three o two, right? Yeah. So basically, if you wanted to get to know some of these candidates and why they were worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. Baseball, MLB Network had you covered. As of yesterday, I'm looking at the Baseball Reference Awards page, and Todd Helton has 72%, and Billy Wagner has 68%. Andrew Jones has a a ways to go from his prediction yesterday, or his polling, 58%. Gary Sheffield, 55%. So this is the prediction? This is um, what the votes that they already know. Okay, so that's the votes they know. All right, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know if that one is as updated as the one Chris and I looked at yesterday, but um, either way, there there could be there's a scenario in which only one guy gets in. That would be Adrian Beltre. Which usually I'm like angry about something like that, but I mean, listen, Major League Baseball Fame. It's not excuse me, it's not Major. The Baseball Hall of Fame is is the harder of the Hall of Fames to get into. Yeah, yeah, and it should be because there's so many players that go through baseball. Not everyone can make the Hall of Fame. It's like Dion says about the football Hall of Fame. There needs to be an upper room, a starting, <laughs> yeah, an upper room, like a starting eleven on offense and a starting eleven on defense, and then you got your special teams, and those are your like elite Hall of Famers, which I don't disagree with. But they put in a certain number of people each year, so it's like the the number of people keep growing. Yeah, twenty six candidates. 14 returning players, 12 first-time 
eligibility. I know Adrian Gonzalez is in on that as a first-timer. Gary Sheffield played 22 seasons? Yeah, man. 509 homers. Jeez, I didn't know it was 22 seasons. Billy Wagner, I believe this is uh, his last year on the uh, ballot. So I think he gets in because of that. Did you face him? I did not. I told us. I told you guys a story about Billy Wagner and my dad, though, about Billy wanting to hit my my dad because he was asked who was I think Sports Illustrated, ironically, <laughs> asked him who you know did he have the you know was he most comfortable facing? Oh, and he said Billy Wagner. And Billy, I mean, that's a Billy, good way. <laughs> Billy took exception to that. Didn't know what he meant by it. He was, and so he walked up to my dad during batting practice and asked him about it. I was standing right there. He goes, you know, I was just going to, I just thought I'd come over and ask you because my first thought was just to square you in the, up in the back. In the back and, wow. <laughs> and my dad kind of chuckled. He was like, I, he, he just asked me who did I have the, you know, the, the easiest time with. And I, that was you. It wasn't. I didn't mean anything by it. That was just answered a question. Crawling out of my skin, and this happened years <laughs> and years ago. I can't believe he called him out on it. Does that happen often? Where players call out other players for what they say? No, but it wasn't. It wasn't like my dad was thinking about him seeing it. It was just a question. He yeah. answered it. He kept it moving. But that's, he took exception to it. That's hilarious, though. That's it, a didn't great cha- story. it didn't change his his. Uh, his success against him, he still hammered him the rest of his He never hit him either, or at least attempted no, to hit him? No, he didn't. I All think right. he respected the fact that he was honest about it when he came up and asked her. It wasn't any any silly games being played. He was just like, I, Yeah, no, I just said it because I said it. Yeah, no, 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 your dad I, told him the I, truth. He's like, oh, I can't be mad at the truth. <laughs> Basically. So we'll get you to that in a second. While we wait, let's get to the Daily Gambit. Do you like money? I think about money a lot. Do you like money without doing anything? Uh, duh, winning. Do you want to make money while watching sports? I think Washington is immortal luck. Washington! Woohoo! If you answered yes, this is your segment. Just don't blame us when you lose. Nothing is ever your fault. It's your game. Take it. Gwen and Chris go through the top bets of the day in The Daily Gambit on 97.3 The Fan. Daily Gambit, our daily sports betting segment here on Gwen and Chris. Please, everybody, gamble responsibly. And uh, Joe Maurer is being shown on TV right now. And I know that you guys have made fun of me for years about when I told you <laughs> it was breaking news that he was retiring. So... I mean, actually, five years later, it actually might make sense now that he's gonna if he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. I wish we had that audio because <laughs> you guys remember it a whole different way than what I remember from it. But the context, as we said the other day, the context was wild that you were bringing it up. We were like in the middle of discussing like Kareem Hunt and his domestic issue. It was, it and was he a was tough like, subject. "Oh my God, breaking news! Joe Maurer just retired." You guys remember it so much different. Like, I think I was what? like, "Hey." Guys, I think Joe Maurer just retired. And you guys make it seem like I broke in across you all airwaves. You literally played the breaking news bed. I, we were on site. I did not play the <laughs> you, breaking news you, bed. You, I feel like you had it played. I can remember the site of C- Cathedral anyway. Speaking Joe of Joe Maurer. Is he a first ballot? I don't know. Yeah, I think he is. It's it's in the context of, of the position he plays. He's like... There aren't very many better. Mike Piazza, I mean, even some of his numbers are better than Yvonne Rodriguez, who got into it. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, All man. right, daily gambit. Uh, what we did, we bet on what five things last night. So the first one was Cincinnati at Kansas over under one hundred forty seven total points. We all said over, and we were all wrong. Kansas won seventy four sixty nine hundred forty three points. Wake Forest in North Carolina. North Carolina seven and a half point favorites. We all chose the Tar Heels in North Carolina. Not, I was going to say boat race, but I guess twenty one points isn't a boat race. North Carolina won 85-64. Joel Embiid, we already talked about this. We bet on his over-under points, 35 and a half. You could be by 21. There's a boat race? It's a boat race. Okay, all right. Embiid, uh, we, you guys said over. Chris and Tony, I said under. And I'm an idiot because he, he, he scored 70. He doubled it for you. <laughs> scored 70. Uh, Phoenix Suns, they were playing the Bulls last night. You guys chose the Bulls. The Suns are five and a half point favorites. They won, but they only won by two, so I lose that one again. And my favorite bet of the night, the Sharkies at the Kings. Kings one and a half uh, puck line favorites. And you guys chose the Kings. Sharkies they, they win still, outright. They still have not won one of these bets I know. for me. I'm not betting it for the Kings. Well, that's why I went to the Sharkies. I would have my gone the gosh. Kings. Um, all right. So here's some, some bets that I saw. And then, Tony, you have some bets as well. Next player, this is a for fun bet, but Bleacher Report betting put this out. Next player to drop 60 plus points, and they put some like fake odds. You can't actually bet on this, but who would you say? I know you're looking at the sheet, but who on that sheet would you say? I got a great one. Next player to drop 60? Yeah. I'm going with uh, Giannis. No. Who? Not for the odds. Okay. Give me LeBron James. Oh, for plus 10,000. Are you kidding me? I'll for even him to go, go Steph 60? Curry at that point for plus 2,000. Yes. LeBron's not scoring 60. Dude, I can see a scenario in which LeBron scores 60. Really? At 39. That would be incredible. I he mean, he is incredible already. He would 100% already. do it, too. Uh, well, they have Joel Embiid to repeat as the 60-plus point score at plus 150, which makes at, sense. At, He's at, great. At, at times, he looked like Shaq. If you remember Shaq at his most dominant, where like he would post up and it was just like a hard dribble, he was underneath, he was dunking whoever was underneath him. How Joel Embiid is what like seven one? Is he over three hundred pounds? I would guess, man. He's two eighty. It says he's seven I feet two eighty, but he plays like he's three fifty. Yeah, I think that's being generous. Two eighty. I think they had Shaq at like two eighty at times too, oh. and he. I just heard him talk. He was like three twenty, three forty. He was four hundred pounds at one point. He was, it's no wonder he had trouble running <laughs> up and down the court and he sweats so much. I mean, that dude, it, that's how Embiid has looked this season. He's looked very Shaq-esque, hmm. that type of dominant. I, I can't remember, and I guess I, my memory doesn't go that far back, but I can't remember someone averaging 35 points a game at this point in the season. Oh, well, there's, there's one guy. Joel Embiid. No, there's oh, another Michael? guy. Yeah, he well, averaged yeah. 35 for a season. And we talked about Wilt averaging 50 for a year, too. That's ridiculous. All right. If you're looking to bet on the Ravens and the Chiefs this coming weekend, have you ever heard of the Josh Allen curse, Tony? And it's not the Josh Allen is going to lose curse, but it's the teams that beat Josh Allen in the playoffs. They're following games since 2019. They lose? Yes. <laughs> 2019. The Texans beat the uh, Bills. They lost the next round. 2020, uh, the Texans or the Chiefs beat the Bills. They lost in the Super Bowl. 2021, Chiefs beat the Bills. They lose to the Bengals. 2022, Bengals beat the Bills. They lose to the Chiefs. 
Now it's for the Ravens. Do you think this is going to happen, Tony? I do. Four straight years this has happened. I do. I the think Ch- it's going to happen. You I, think that the Chiefs I, are going to beat the Ravens? No. It's the other way around. The Chiefs have to lose now, oh, right? Because they beat Duh. the Bills. Yes, yes. I They're do think lose. the Ravens got a great chance to beat the Chiefs. Oh, I do too. And so that'll be four years straight of this Bills curse. Do you think it's because they have to play so hard in the game before against Josh <laughs> No, it's just that giving where the Bills are getting beat at, usually these teams are all going to be really good yeah. after that. That's true. I mean, they're being beat in the playoffs all the time. But yeah. that is a crazy little coincidence right there. It is. All right, so some actual bets that we're going to make. Aztecs are playing Wyoming they're, tonight yep. at home. and 17 and a half point That's a lot favorites. of points. What do you think, Tony? This is how I want you to write it. Oh, gosh. Aztecs win, Wyoming covers. Okay. Is this a superstitious thing that you made yes, me write that? Yes, I don't want it to look like I'm picking Wyoming, because usually you just put the team, and it would have just said Wyoming in my box. I don't want oh, that to I be see. the case. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I should have done that first and then deleted it. Uh, Wyoming, I'm looking at, they're they're 10 and 8. They're kind of, you know, whatever. They, I'm not feeling good about Wyoming. I'm going to say the Aztecs bounce back after a tough loss. So they, they beat them by 18 or more. Okay. There yeah. you go. Next one, Clippers and Lakers are tonight. Over Who's the home team in that one, Tony? I think it's the Clippers. Oh, it doesn't really matter. I was making a funny. I was making a funny, Tony. Clippers and Lakers over under 234.5 points. It's the Clippers, by the way. Uh, that floor crew is getting a workout. I'll go first. I'm going to say under. Okay. I was going to go over, so I'll just stick with my over. And then final one is BYU or Houston at BYU. Houston a favor in this game by 2.5 points. Number four versus number 21. I'm going to go, oh, gosh, I, I can't, I hate picking BYU. I can't, I'm going to go BYU. Well, they upset. Wow. Three-point upset, huh? Or I guess they just have to win. It's at BYU. I'm going to take BYU. BYU seems like a really hard place to play. It is. It's with everything we hear. But that's it for our Daily Gambit for today. We will All right. review tomorrow. Uh, let's go ahead, get to break. When we come back been a lot of harsh Brock Purdy critics out there. Oh, gosh. His buddy, Debo, comes to his defense. We'll talk about it on either side. Mark Gwynn and Chris on either side. It was all good until Brian Kenny came on the screen. (laughs) They, uh, now, we have the sound off in here, so we are going off of what we've been told. It's on the bottom of the screen now. There it is. Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, congratulations are in order. They will be going into the Hall of Fame come July, I believe. Um, or it might be August. Gary Sheffield did not make it. I feel sad for him. Um, Billy, Wagner. Billy Wagner did not make it. That's a bummer. Now, we haven't got the percentages yet. We just know that... Those three, Helton, Beltre, Maurer, into the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to the gentlemen, the three gentlemen, that will uh, get a plaque. How does Gary Sheffield not get in? What do you think the voters were thinking? There, uh, it's There's some um, discrepancy in terms of PEDs. 
Ah, oh my God. He was in a Mitchell report. I don't know that he ever tested positive for anything. I don't. Th- I don't believe he did. Um, but he was involved in his name was involved in the Balco situation, um, and I think the uh, Mitchell report thing is certainly something that you know. There's going to be people who hold on to that. So uh, I just think it's like, why are we still? It's the Pete Rose thing. It's like now the now baseball's making money off of betting, but they won't let him back in. Yeah. We've talked about that a million times. All of this a million times. We have. I got a chance to play against all three of those guys. I got to see a lot of Todd Helton being in the National oh, yeah. West. He was uh I mean, he was a problem. Uh, <laughs> he he was. He he just it, it just felt like every time he came up something bad for your team was was going to happen. Does it surprise you that Andrew Jones didn't make it either? I know you guys talked about him yesterday. I think eventually he will. I think this was his fourth year on the ballot. I think some of these other guys have to clear off. I think them being off will help his status in the same way you saw it help Scott Rowland last year. Um, but I think he's a Hall of Famer, too. I'm really disappointed that Big Sexy didn't make it. Bartolo Colon. Bart- <laughs> oh, there's the be- the voting. Beltre, 95%. Helton, 79.7. Mallory, 76.1. Wagner, 73.8. Just off. That's, that hurts right and there. And then it's a 10% drop-off. Wagner's at 73.8. And then the drop-off to Sheffield is 63.9. Jones, 61.6. Carlos Beltran uh, is 57. And then you start getting real low. 34.8 for Alex. <laughs> Aaron. And, and then uh, Manny Ramirez with 32.5. So, yeah. On there the YouTube chat, Sheffield not getting in really disappoints me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Shouldn't and, be. And if I'm not mistaken, this is his 10th year on the ballot. I got to figure that out. But that's, uh, oh, yeah, last chance for Gary Sheffield. Now, re- he, now his only chance to get in is a veterans committee. Now, he, I don't think it it's as as you know because the veterans committee is pretty hard on PEDs, but I don't know that Chef's case is as black and white as some of the other ones where they're like absolutely not going to get in. Gotcha. And that include unfortunately that includes I think somebody who should be in is Barry Bonds. They're they're not going. I don't think that veterans committee is even going to bat an eye. Do you think one year like when? You and I are in our 70s. They're going to put Barry Bonds in because it's been enough time and all the people that didn't want him in are now not here anymore. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't know that. Sleeping with the fishes. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that there's a committee that can do it. It's just really weird to have the best. I, I understand that he is accused of or not even accused. It's found that he took steroids and all that stuff. I understand that, but it's still tough to think that one of the best baseball players in of all time is not in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Adrian Gonzalez unfortunately only got 0.8% of the vote. Now you do you you need 5% to stay on the ballot. So that means that they're not these so guys are not Jose Batista, Victor Martinez, Bartolo Colon, Matt Holiday, all those guys are not going to be on the ballot next year. Right. Didn't get enough votes. All right, uh we were going to go somewhere else before that. Uh, oh, happened. yeah. So I, I, well, we I can talk it. about Brock Purdy later. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a comment from Adam on the stream, not our Adam. Um, I was about to say, is our boss like really in our stream? 
Making comments? No, 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 no not Adam not. Klug. But oh, you will if you are lucky enough to be on the YouTube stream with Adam Klug, you should hit him up because he will reply to your comment. Uh, <laughs> Adam said it's cheating, Scraby. That's why he's not in. But yes, it's cheating. I'm not going to say that it wasn't cheating. But if everyone else is doing it, doesn't that mean they're on the same level? I mean, if we're being fair, David Ortiz is in, right? He, his name was connected to point. the same stuff. Very good point. Just Why because he's a different? popular guy and people like him? I'm just saying. And, this has got and, me all fired up now. Yeah, and, you know, that his I understand his name popped up at the very beginning when, you know, the tests were supposed to remain anonymous. His test popped. But nevertheless, we found out. Yeah, and, and, we did. And he's, he's happily in the, with a plaque. Adam is in the chat, by the way. Adam <laughs> he said, I'm here. Brandon said, James Shields won't be on the ballot either, but his contributions to getting us Tatis are appreciated. I do appreciate that as well. An unnecessary shot at James. An unnecessary but... shot. All right. So what happened uh, with Brock Purdy over the weekend, I think it helped his case and hurt his case because he won the game. He performed when he needed to. But he was terrible up until that point. Now, Ryan Clark of ESPN, someone that I respect mightily in his opinion. Me too. I love Ryan Clark. I think I may be out on Ryan Clark, and I'll tell you why. One time and you're just out? I'll tell you why. Okay. Uh, This was what? First take? It's it's show on ESPN. Here's Ryan Clark. Today would be. I'm about to um, make a confession. Mm. The single hardest thing I had to do this year was act like Brock Purdy deserved to be in the conversations with the other people we're mentioning in that tweet. Mm. Because he was playing extremely well and operating in that offense and distributing the ball to Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, we had to continue to include him in conversations with the Lamar Jacksons. We had to continue to include him in conversations with the Josh Allen. Those things are not alike. Brock Purdy is a fine player. Brock Purdy can operate in Kyle Shanahan's offense at an extremely efficient level. Brock Purdy doesn't raise the level of play of anyone around him. And so when you talk about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, the people around them benefit from having those sorts of players at the quarterback position. All right, so this goes on for another like two and a half minutes. Why are you out on I am out. It's not because Ryan Clark is calling out Brock Purdy. I don't care about that. Obviously, I ranked Brock Purdy three last week, and I was shown that maybe my ranking was a little too high for him. Maybe. But he's still in the playoffs, and the guy ranked below him is not, so I guess I did have something right there. But what I'm mad at Ryan Clark here is that as an analyst – I look to him for my takes, not not, but like when something happens in the NFL, I want to go see what Ryan Clark is saying about it. What is he? What's his opinion on it? And he said the single hardest thing I had to do this year was act like Brock Purdy deserved to be in the conversations with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. When he says he acted, I don't want him to just go along with it throughout the year. I want him to say, hey. Brock Purdy does not belong in this conversation with these guys. But he lumped him in because you know, it was the popular thing to no, do. No, that's not why. I don't think that's why. You know why I like Ryan Clark? is because he presents evidence with his belief. Right? Brock Purdy was leaving no evidence during the season on why he shouldn't be mentioned in those particular guys. Now, even though his gut, Ryan Clark's gut. Yeah. 
was telling him, man, I don't think he's I think I don't think he's raising the level. All the numbers suggested otherwise. Well, and so if you're about to go on TV and make a point, you're going to need to be able to prove it without looking crazy. And the problem is if you would win there like, nah, he doesn't belong. All the numbers said otherwise. That doesn't speak to me because I say crazy <laughs> things does. all the time that are unpopular. You are unique in that. All right. Well, Brock it. Purdy led the league in passer rating, yards per completion. He's 21 and 5 as a quarter or 49ers quarterback. Uh, I'm not saying this because he's a 49ers quarterback. You're kind of saying it because he's a 49ers. What quarterback. happens when he goes, well, say he wins the Super Bowl? Are we still going to be talking about him you, being the game manager? Do you know who they used to say was a game manager? For I would say through the first Tom four, Brady for the first four or five years through his career. So why is that our go-to argument? Why can't and then the other because argument? He's the, goat. the other argument that makes me crazy is well they have good players on their team. Okay, that's not his fault. What is he supposed to throw to the lesser players to prove he's good enough? No, I don't. I think you're missing the point there, Scrape. I'm Tom, not missing any points. Tom Brady would elevate his team. How do we know that Brock Purdy uh, isn't doing that? Honestly, we don't know. Boom. We don't. I shook my head and I realized we're on the radio. He's he's giving <laughs> he's he's giving you, you know, what you asked for right now. He is stepping out on that limb. Well, Debo, not my favorite guy right now. He was not happy with what Ryan Clark said. When is Debo ever happy when somebody when he, he's not playing and he's on the sideline cheering people Debo on after he's injured? Watches too much TV. Debo does. He watches. He listens to everything. I think he must have people send him this stuff because sure. there's no way that he could find all the stuff that people say about him. But <laughs> what, what he, did say? he saw the Ryan Clark thing and he put it on Instagram uh, and he said, never seen so much hate for a quarterback that led the league in almost every category. You all folks be bugging. And I had to, I think FRFR means for real, for real. Good job. Wow, I didn't even look that one up. Yeah. I almost did. I was like, what is he talking about? Oh, for real, for real. Yeah. Uh, Good that, job. Scrape. That tape don't tell no lies. If Ryan Clark is a defensive back, right? That's what he played. He should go look at every single tape and tell everybody what he finds. That's what I want to see. The problem for that looking at tape is you're throwing to Oh, Debo we're giving Samuel. more. We're go- oh, my you're, gosh. You're handing it off to Christian McCaffrey. You're throwing it to Brandon Ayuk. You have the biggest bully on the block. Tom Brady blocking, had blocking Rob Gronkowski, you. Julian he, Edelman. He, he, uh, Julian Edelman's a good player. He, he, but he also did it with Wes Welker. He also did it with Wes Welker's a good player. With, uh, with he had Randy Deon, Moss. He also too. did it with Dion Branch. He also, I mean, you could pretty much pick a guy. What was the 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 tall white guy, receiver that they had? That number eighteen, really good for a couple years. Number eighteen. He was on the Super Bowl. I can't remember his name. Gunnar Olszewski. No, no, that's not his name. Definitely. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was like Huff. It started with an H. Uh, I, I think can't it think of it right anyway, now. Anyway, like I, you, there's a list of wide receivers that Tom Brady did it with that don't have the name of Randy Moss or Rob Gronkowski. Oh, Ryan's helping me uh, make a point uh, on the chat. L- led the league in tight window passes. You tell me. Thank you, Ryan, for that <laughs> little stat right there. Led the league in tight window passes. Oh, I went deep into the analytics. Like there are so many crazy There's, stats. There is. I, I tell you what. This is. This is. It's a. I'm glad he said the tight window thing, because there's a, a picture of Brock Purdy throwing a ball, and I promise you, 
he is literally just throwing to a spot because there's no one there. There's about two defenders there. And you know what happens? I'm, I'm almost certain it was Ayuk. He goes up and literally snatches the ball out of air. If that isn't your wide receiver doing doing his thing right there. Okay. I'm just not gonna I'm just gonna let In all seriousness, Brock Purdy's doing his thing. He, he didn't play he, he didn't play well in um in that no, he didn't. divisional game, but when he needed to have a drive, he got a drive. He used his legs, he threw the ball. I'm just saying, he's not he he may he's definitely more than a game manager, but I don't know that he's Elite I know we need to move on, but we do. Tua, who would you think is the better you quarterback? Ain't, you ain't Tua never heard or me. Brock Purdy? It's Brock Purdy. Okay, I'm not. I wasn't setting up to say that. I just wanted to know because Tua led the league in passing. And right. Someone, so, so for your you stat geeks, there, that's what you're telling me. So Tua's better than Brock Purdy because he led the league in passing. He has Tyreek Hill. Same argument you just made to me. I'm just saying. <laughs> so he's better? Uh, no, he's okay. not better. I didn't think so. Anyway. We Let's can, get to break. I just can't wait for this Sunday NFC Championship. 49ers going to beat the Lions, and it's right here on oh, 97.3 The Fan. Lord, please. If the 49ers go to the Let Super Bowl. the Lions knock off the 49ers. It'll be like the best radio day in the history of Gwen and Chris. Oh, a- Amy on the stream. What I Amy, know we got to go to break. What has Amy got? Scraby, all you have to do is say that Garoppolo had the same weapons. Not McCaffrey, but everybody else. Compare Garoppolo's numbers to Purdy. There you go. That's a great point. No, it's not. That's a great Garoppolo's point. Garoppolo's not even on the same level. As he Brock went Purdy. to a Super Bowl. And he lost the Super Bowl. He did, I don't know how Brock, I mean, I don't know how Garoppolo got to the Super Bowl. But he did. He definitely did. Had a chance either. to had a chance to win too. We gotta get to break. Marcus McNeil on the other side. We'll talk about these very same games. Morgan <laughs> Wynn and Chris on the way. Maybe the Raiders know something the Chargers don't. Doubt it. Oh yeah, yeah. You see who the uh, Raiders hired today? I did not. You didn't see this? No. Well, with the I thought they already hired their head coach. They did hire their head coach. The guy who doesn't take care of his dogs. Why are you still on Antonio Okay, I'll drop Pierce it. I'll drop that? it. How long ago was that? 2008 or something. 2008. Um, oh, they're looking for GM, too. They, they they are looking for a GM. And they hired the former Charger GM. Whoa! Telesco. What? Yeah, he is now the Raiders GM. Uh, we'll have the same position. Telesco, who's 51, had, as you know, it was let go from the Chargers. Um, but... I guess he's, they've been jealous of what he's been building over there and with it, the Chargers. It, listen, you can't deny that the Chargers roster, talent-wise, was good. No, you're right. You're right. Now, the execution was something to be uh, desired. In all seriousness. And he hired, ultimately, I think what got him fired. The coach. was he? Yeah, what was the coach's name? Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley. Yeah, that would hurt you. In the long run, I also believe he he answered answer, he hired Anthony Lynn as well. So he that got two coaches. Lynn didn't work out. I would say the roster got better, and then uh, Staley didn't work. out. I mean, out. think about it. Under Tom Telesco, they were able to acquire their franchise quarterback, so that's pretty good. Not many teams could say that. Tom Telesco, like 
I've worked with him a few times when I was working with Chargers Radio and all he used that. He should be the Colts GM before. Uh, like assistant GM. Assistant GM. But okay. he, he's, he seems like a really smart guy, um, and I think it's smart for the Raiders to hire him because he's probably better than some of those candidates out there, and he's just had the job, so it's not like he needs to get back up to speed. He won't be working with an uber-aggressive head coach in Antonio, Antonio Pierce like he was with Brandon Staley. Oh, you mean aggressive like as Like fourth down, go oh. for it every time type of aggressive. I wonder. I would love to know what their he was thinking, philosophy was. I would like, love to know what their relationship was. It probably didn't go well down the stretch. <laughs> Just losing and stress makes everything happen. But listen, make sure you tune in to kick off with Boomer Siasen and Mike Valenti. Every week, Boomer and Valenti preview the entire slate of NFL games. So that'll be championship weekend this week. Analysis from Boomer, picks from Mike. The biggest stories in the league packed into an hour. Friday nights at 7 p.m. here on 97.3 The Fan and always live on the free Odyssey app. Presented nationally by Cosamigos Tequila. Cosamigos brought to you by those who drink it and by Lowe's Nose Home Improvement. Let's get to Marcus McNeil. Gwen and Chris minus Chris right now. Just Scraby and I here. And we're joined by our weekly guest, Marcus McNeil. Marcus, uh, playoffs, we're down to the last four teams. These last uh, four games over the weekend, a um, couple were close, a couple weren't. Uh, let's let's start with Baltimore Ravens. They they handle um, the Houston Texans, and, and outside of that kick return, there really was nothing uh, for the, the, the uh, C.J. Stroud-led offense. This Baltimore Ravens team looks like they might be the team to beat. Yeah, they are looking legit, and and I know that the score was terrible, so I, I went back and watched that game again, and I got to give some love, and you know I'm going to love this, to the O-line, yeah. man. Yeah. Those boys can block. I'm talking about they're pass blocking, they're down the field, you know what I'm saying, springing guys for an extra 10 or 20 yards, blocking on the second level, man. I just love to see that, and they looked impressive against Houston. Talking to Marcus McNeil uh, about the NFL playoffs, and Josh Allen loses to the Chiefs again, but this time I really don't put the loss on Josh Allen, and I put it on more of a team loss than anything. How do the Bills get to the next level? Is there any time in your career where you guys couldn't get to the next level and you needed to try something new? Oh, man, I, well, I'm going to talk about that a little bit in the 49ers <laughs> game. But, uh, <laughs> we couldn't get to the next level. But, uh, I mean, Josh, them right now, they remind me of Jim Kelly them back in the day, mm. you know, where they kept on making it right there, but they were making it to the Super Bowl, of course, Jim Kelly them. And they get right there, Josh Allen them making it to the championship game every year, and they just can't get over that hump. Um I would love to see them get over that hump, but I just think that with all that's been coming out with Stefan Diggs and his unhappiness, that I, I just don't know if they can make it there without him and, and just depending on Gabe Davis. So it's going to be a struggle just to keep that team together. Marcus, I mean, staying with that game, I mean, uh, Josh Allen did everything he possibly could do uh, in terms of that getting that team the chance to win. And, had they won that game, we would be talking about how well he played. But it, it, is it? It could just be one of those situations, like a lot of the teams in the NBA in the nineties. It, it's there's a, there's a mm-hmm. Michael Jordan there. And in this mm-hmm. case, it's a Patrick Mahomes that yeah. just continues, no matter what the odds are, no matter what is being said, no matter what weapons have left. 
he continues to get his team right back to the same spot he has since he's become a starter. Man, you spot on with that one, Tony. I was just thinking that when you were saying it, that, like, you know, it's just times and eras where it's just that one guy that you seem like you can't beat, you know. It's, I, I, Tom Brady, oh, maybe? <laughs> yeah, Tom, yeah, like Tom Brady just keeps on winning, you know, uh, like a Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps, you know, like these are guys who just kind of dominate the sports for years and years and years, and you start to feel got bad for the guy who's coming in second all the time. And I think that's where we are with Josh Allen because I, I feel sorry for him because he did perform on Sunday. Yeah. He did. We're talking to Marcus McNeil about the NFL playoffs. Lay it on me, Marcus. What are your thoughts on the 49ers? Well, actually, first, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you, I thought the 49ers were lucky. I think if they play that way on Sunday, they're going to lose to the Lions. Uh, I ranked Brock Purdy number three best quarterback in the playoffs last week to a lot of hate. Uh, Just give me your thoughts on what happened with the 49ers and the Packers. Oh, where do I start? I I got three for you real quick. Three? I I got three. I got three. First... I have to get over the PTSD that I that I had after watching Greenwald pick that ball off and run across the field. Oh, okay. If I wasn't thinking back to Marlon McCree, like, get out, get out. Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't even play for them. I'm up screaming at the TV telling them to get down. I, that ball, that back some bad news for me. Two, <laughs> two. I mean, Brock Purdy uh, started looking like just a game manager. You know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, every quarterback that Cam Newton called out on that list just didn't look spectacular. You know, now he didn't play horribly, but he just didn't look like the X factor to me. And then the third and last one is if they don't have Debo Samuels, that's going to be a tough game. Man, it's a wrap. You just, you just gave Tony ammunition for the rest of the week. I, I said the exact same thing yesterday. If Debo Samuels does not play, Detroit's going to their first I, one of their first Super Bowls And in a I long shoot time. at him, Marcus. You know what that looks like, a shoe. Like, get out of here, shoot. And now you're backing him up. Truth so sets you free, my friend. Uh, Marcus, I want to go back to this AFC championship matchup because I, I, I take you back to when Lamar Jackson – was drafted, and I remember him talking to Deion Sanders. He said something along the lines of, they're going to get a Super Bowl out of me. Fittingly enough, he's going to have to go through Patrick Mahomes in order to get there. How do you see that matchup kind of playing out? Ooh, uh, I mean, it's, it's tough. You have a lot of experience, of course, from Casey, where you got two guys and and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who just always seem to make it happen, always seem to make those big plays when they need them. But then you turn around and you look at a Baltimore team that just looks so, like, balanced on offense and defense. You know, they got a great D-line, linebackers, you know, and on to the offensive line. They got great offensive line. They got some running backs that can run, a great quarterback, receivers. So it's – it's going to be a tough task for KC to come in and, and, and think that they're going to beat Baltimore right now. So I'm, I'm really giving Baltimore a little bit of an edge. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I want to go back to now the NFC because we didn't really talk about the Detroit and uh, Tampa game. It actually turned out to be a good game. Tampa played Detroit pretty tough. Detroit edges them. Um, Derek Goff made some throws he had to make there at the end to get his team over the hump. And, and so now they're facing a, a 49ers team. they got a lot of confidence. The 49ers may not have Debo Samuel. Um, 
this Detroit team seems poised to take on a, a 49er team that may have shown some cracks last week. How do you see this game shaking out? Oh, man, this is a great Detroit Lions team. And I was just sitting back looking at their roster. They had a monster draft last yeah. year because yeah. everybody in that draft class in the first two rounds is a player that is making a difference on their team right now. But, I mean, you know how some teams just have that year? Detroit, it's kind of like this is their year. This is their curtain call. They're the Cinderella story starting off from the beginning of the season. Uh, I don't think you get a better coach than Dan Campbell to get you motivated yeah. and fired up. So they really have a solid chance of going in there with a balanced team, you know, and, and making some noise. Uh, I got to ask you about this because we haven't we haven't talked to you about it, but were you surprised at all that Jerry Jones decided to keep Mike McCarthy uh, as head coach? I think everybody just assumed after they got drubbed in that in that was a wild card round that they would you know it was going to be an easy move they're going to move on but Jerry Jones decides to stick with Mike McCarthy what what are your thoughts uh, what that told me was that I don't think that they think McCarthy is the problem ah. I think that they might actually be looking at I wouldn't be surprised if they addressed the quarterback situation. Ah. And, and, and not because Dak didn't have wow. a great year or anything like that, but I think it just comes to a point in time where you give a player or a guy a shot for an extended period of time and either you can do it or you can't. And not to say he gets replaced right away, but maybe we're looking for that Jordan love, you know what I'm saying, for for another two or three years down the road where now we give him the reins and see if he can't bring us another Super Bowl. That was a shocking take. I did not expect for you to say that. It makes sense, though. I mean, you bring Mike McCarthy back. That clearly they don't think he's he's the the only problem, at least. Wow. Uh, we're talking to Marcus McNeil about the NFL playoffs. He just blew my mind with that because it didn't even enter my mind. Um, but one other thing that we were talking about yesterday about what happened over the weekend: Todd Bowles, head coach of the Buccaneers. Now, they had uh, – it was kind of weird because he let the game clock expire, basically. He had a timeout left. There was a chance for them to, you know, throw a few downfield and see if they could score, but he decided to let the time go. Do you – what are your thoughts on what he did there? I, I don't like it. You know, I, I don't like it. I, I can understand where he probably made that call because he felt like the game was over, you know, unless it was a long shot. And because it was such an emotional game, Player, I always want a chance to win. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we've seen crazy things. In the 4 o'clock hour, we go. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello, not here yet, but hopefully in this hour. En route. He's en route right now to Logan, Utah. Yes. Matt Scraby there on the ones and twos. Congratulations are in order to Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, Adrian and Adrian Beltre. Yes. All elected to the Hall of Fame. I've seen uh, Todd Helton's phone call. He was trying to—he uh, was trying to hold back some tears. A little dusty in there. He was a little—he was a little blinky. Adrian Beltre didn't even crack a tear at all. Not that no. it's a bad thing. I mean, but... he knew—he knew what was up. He knew what he was, was up. He was headed to the big big house. He knew it all along. Oh, he's a first ballot guy. Yeah. Do first ballot guys really think that they're first ballot guys? Nah, I mean, you kind of know. Okay. All right, well, there you go. He wasn't surprised at all, apparently. No, he wasn't. Um, 
we have a Gwen versus the fan. So if you're interested in participating, 833-288-0973. Chance to qualify for two tickets to Tom Kiefer and L.A. Guns on April 11th and a two-night stay at Westgate Las Vegas Resort Casino. Get ready for an electrifying night of rock and roll as the two iconic bands, Tom Kiefer and L.A. Guns, come together to perform live on April 11th at Westgate International Theater at Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. The Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino features newly designed premier rooms, part of their $70 million room renovation. Um, Real quick, while those populate. Go ahead. I saw something last night. Actually, I sent it to in the chat during the Scraby Show or the Scraby. I've started to call it the Scraby Experience, the Scraby Chronicles, whatever you want to call it, as long as it's one of those three. But uh, Tyler Bass, the kicker for the Buffalo Bills. Deactivated his his ex account, I saw. He deactivated that because you know why? He's getting death threats from people. Of course he is. This is the psychos that that are out there. Psychos. Yeah. Well, one good thing that came out of this that I appreciate. One thing, thing about Bill's Mafia that I appreciate. I, you know what? I know where you're going with this. They Shout will out to Bill's give Mafia. back to to uh, charities. This and, is this is a calling card of Bill's Mafia. Yes, it is. It is. And, and they even sent Cincinnati. Uh, some they even supported some Cincinnati charities because Demar Hamlin was cared for there after that That's whole right. incident. But uh, over twenty five thousand dollars as of this morning. Uh, was donated to 10 Lives Club, which is a cat rescue charity that he's been involved with over the years. So a lot of people have donated to that. I actually know a friend that felt so bad for him for getting these death threats that they donated this morning to the cat charity. And I think that's great. But if you're someone... Sending death threats? that are That's sending death threats. You have, obviously, a screw loose. But... <laughs> that's all you got? I... Because I was going to go somewhere else. <laughs> I think this stuff needs to be illegal. Yeah, I mean it's, it's getting out of hand, way out of hand. I mean, every time sending DMs, calling out or what was it, Alexander Madison, all those terrible names because yeah, he had one fumble in week two or something. And these are these are definitely like Twitter finger, X finger type people, like something they would X never finger. never say to you in to your face. Oh yeah, but they feel so comfortable behind it, and I mean. To go as far as death threats, because my man missed a field goal. Like, I get it's a big deal. Is it? I mean, is it that big a Not deal? Not that big to, a deal. Like, you want to kill somebody over it? No. You know what you do uh, if you're a Bills fan? You just make fun of Tyler Bass in, with your friends for the rest of your guys' lives. You don't go and send a death threat on social media to someone. I, I just think these social media has allowed a for... You know what normally would just be normal fan frustration that you figure figure out a way to kind of get rid of it. Now you don't even try to get rid of it. You just get rid of it by sending said person that you're angry with or frustrated with a death threat. I know people don't like me for this, but I really do think they should go after these people and they should prosecute. But I know that they won't because it's not really illegal. But there's something has to happen because you cannot the, just say the, these crazy the, things. The the judgment, like you, it should go be prosecuted, you know, with the, the shouldn't be jail time. It should just be, you should be able to punch somebody right in the face. Oh my God. That should be it. Wait, no, what? No jail time, right? I don't think it. You, For you, this angry person? Yeah, no, no jail time. You, you just, you gotta, uh, the when they, when they say you're guilty in the court, they keep your hands handcuffed behind your oh, back. Oh, oh. And you get to oh, just punch them in the face. Oh, I see. I and thought and you it's meant, over with. Okay. 
It's so Tyler over. Bass is just going to have a hurt hand. <laughs> hey, it, I think it would be worth it for the death threat. It's just crazy. I don't get it. But good on you, Bills Mafia, for um, donating all that money to um By the way, Tyler Bass is, is um, it's a good cause, but cats? I thought the same thing. Cats? I'm not a... Okay, wait a second. Before the cat people get on my case. I'm deathly allergic to cats. Oh, well, that's one thing. I'm so, not allergic to cats. I don't hate cats whatsoever. Not my favorite. But cats are known to eat humans after they die. <laughs> so why would <laughs> I want a pet? What? Cats have eaten... Like wait, a dog? They're known to eat humans? Cats have eaten humans after they've passed away, like, because they're hungry, not because they want what to. crazy show No, I'm serious. Dogs would never like Lucky. If we were if we were stranded so, in the mountains, so, he would not eat uh, me. Let me get this straight: a cat gets hungry, and his owner or whoever's house he is passes away. They eat the human, but Lucky on the other, hand, he gets hungry after his owner passes. Man's, he's just gonna starve to death. Man's best friend. <laughs> Where did you see that at? I swear to you, someone and multiple. <laughs> I've heard this. He said they are known for eating humans. Scraby or something else. Let's uh, let's play some Chris versus the fan or some Gwen versus the fan. Oh, well, well, I almost did the wrong thing. So thank you for saying that. If you had one shot, one opportunity to take down the human almanac himself, mm, mm, mm. now is your time. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. Now is your opportunity to win a prize. Well, I hope you know what you're in for. Gwen versus the fans starts now on 97.3 The Fan. Sorry, everyone, you've been taking on this ride now because Tony doesn't believe me, but which I don't blame him for not believing me. But in my quick Google, um, here we go with Google again. In Wired, cats may eat some of their owner's body if the owner was dead and the cat was left without food for an extended period of time. There have been a small handful of studies concerning cats eating humans. Um, <laughs> it does say that it's not true that they will eat their owners, but they said they just said cats will eat a dead body if left without food, so. Stop looking at me like I'm crazy. I can't even look at you right now. Can't even look at you right now. That is crazy. All right. Let's play some. Uh, give us the rules, Scrape. I'm trying to find some support over here. You have to make it through three questions. Each question is going to get more difficult. If you get the question right, you move on. If you get the question wrong and Chris gets it right, you're eliminated. But if oh God, Tony gets it right, you're eliminated. But if Tony gets it wrong, then you move on to the next question. Or your win. And if you're a first-time player, let us know before we get into it, and you will get the first question for free. So let's start right now with, let's go to Susanna. I'm not sure. I didn't get a chance to screen you. Susanna, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Hello. Hi, Susanna. Are you ready to play? Hey, is, is, is my 10-year-old allowed to help me or no? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, we're first-time players. First-time first players! All right. Here we go. Susanna, question. What's your 10-year-old's name? Gabriel. Gabriel, okay. All right. To Susanna and Gabriel. You know started on this show. Yes. Shout-out <laughs> oh, to Gabriel. Wow. Thank I you for that. getting mom started on the show, Heck yeah. Man. That's awesome. All right. Here we go. Question number two. What did Patrick Mahomes do for the first time in his playoffs career this last Sunday? Yes, that is correct. Nice job. Gabriel trying to get you to stop. (laughs) Yeah, 
All right, third question. You get this right or Tony gets it wrong and you're qualified for this trip to Las Vegas. Here we go. This one is tough for anyone, I think, but what current NFL team stadium has hosted the most NFC championship? Championships. NFC. 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 I don't even know who's NFC. Uh, Steelers. We're going to say Steelers. Steelers. Although I think they're not NFC. <laughs> it's okay. Stay there, though. Stay there, though. I'm not sure if Tony knows this one. Tony, what current NFL team stadium has hosted the most NFC championships? Now, do the Niners being in a different stadium now? Current. Oh, current stadium. Yeah, that they is would the have led because they had eight at Candlestick. How about the Eagles? The Eagles. That is correct. I'm sorry, Susanna and Gabriel. I appreciate you guys playing. Thank Please you call guys again. For playing. Thank you, thank you. It's all good. Thanks. All right. You know, you it, really it, had to ruin their dreams. It, 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 I'm huh? sorry. You said once you clarified current stadium. I mean, Dallas has a relatively new stadium, and we know they have a their struggles. The, NFC right? uh, the Niners have been playing in Santa Clara how long now? Three years? Oh gosh, no. Like it's longer than that? Ten. They've been in that stadium that it's, long? It's been a long time. <laughs> Let me see when it was oh built, but gosh. I swear to you, it's been a while. Um, yeah, the f- it's 2014, so 10. Wow. That's crazy, right? Time flies. All right. I was hoping that they were going to win because they sounded like great contestants. Tony took that opportunity I'm away sorry. from them. I'm sorry. Let's go to Patrick in San Diego. Patrick, What's are up, you there? Patrick? I'm here. What's up, boys? Not too much. Let's are you ready it. to play? Let's do it. All right. This is a question from last week, but who is the head coach of the Green Bay Packers? Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, LaFleur. LaFleur. Nice job. Nice job. Pulled that one out. Every time someone says LaFleur, I think of uh, dodgeball. Oh, yeah. Peter LeFleur. Yeah, Yeah, Peter LeFleur. All right. Question number two to Patrick. What team's mascot... Okay, let me start this over. What baseball team's mascot is named Dinger? Is it the Astros? The Astros. Stay there, Patrick. Tony might not be paying attention to mascots like I do. Dinger. Dinger. What team's baseball team's mascot is named Dinger? It's the Brewers. Whoa. Oh. Rockies. The dinosaur. Well, that's, that's why I didn't know. The dinosaur. Oh, the you Rockies. didn't know because oh. the Rockies. It's the Rockies. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I forgot they existed. Dinger might be one of my favorite mascots. Why? Uh, just because he's a triceratops running around and he like likes to pop out of the back, which is kind of funny. But anyway, all right, here we go, Patrick. Question number three. All right. What current? Oh, let me start that over. Wow. What current NFL running back was teammates with Brock Purdy at Iowa State? Oh my God. You don't know this? No. <laughs> Thought that was easy, maybe? 
Uh... All right, I need an answer. I got nothing. Got nothing. All right. Well, I don't think Tony has much either. Stay right there, Tony. Yeah, Patrick, you're in good hands here because I have no idea. Well, current who, NFL who, running back was teammates with Brock Purdy he at Iowa, Iowa State. State. Yeah, I don't he was know. a cyclone. I don't know. It's from Phoenix. He went to Iowa. That helps me none. You're you're not guessing. I don't have a guess. Wow, Patrick, you are the winner. It's Brees Hall. Nice. Oh, yes. I, that was a great nice, Patrick. I might have to pull that. But Brees Hall, Jets running Do back. It is a former teammate of Brock Purdy at Iowa State. So you stay right there, Patrick. Really nice job on that whole thing. Yeah, I didn't know that one. And I will get you in the break. I did not know that one at all. I mean, why didn't Iowa State dominate more then? Brock Purdy and Brees Hall? You clearly on the team? need more than a running back and a quarterback in order to dominate, apparently. I guess so. I guess so. But... All right, let's get to break. When we return... You you had the story on the young um, amateur golf tournament. Is there some, oh, some, yes. some kind of new news about well, that? Well, I I need to make a retraction about how mad yeah, I was at him yesterday. You sounded pretty. Yeah, you I told. Pretty I, I said that I hope he ever won again. Yeah, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll figure out what Scravy found out that has him with a change of heart. More Gwen and Chris, and we hear some traffic. Welcome back into Gwen and Chris, ninety-seven three, the fan. I am Scravy. Chris will be here any moment. He did text us saying he was an hour and 19 minutes away from his destination. So How long ago was that? An hour and 14 minutes. No, so, I don't know. I'd have to look. <laughs> he's got five minutes left. Yeah, he's got five minutes left. Uh, so he will join us as soon as he gets here, and we will probably uh, get caught up on things. And then we have the Big Five ahead. We also have Chris's Fantabulous Sports Game Show that I'm not looking forward to. But that's a little bit later. Now, Tony said before the break I had, uh, you know, I had to say some things about Nick Dunlap and the amateur golfer. You had an update for us. Well, I have an update that I may have been a little too much yesterday. Did you stick your foot in your mouth? I did. Mm. I did. I stuck my foot in my mouth because I said I hope he never wins again. That doesn't happen often. It, it really didn't. Yes, it doesn't. It really didn't make me feel good that he was dropping out of a prestigious tournament like the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. That text was at 321, actually, so he's still got another 19 minutes before he gets to his destination. I hope he's right. I hope he's right. But Nick Dunlap, he has some interesting, he has some interesting things for his future because now that he's won, I didn't know this, but apparently when you win as an amateur – you are able to uh, turn professional at any point this year. Now, explain to that to, to those folks who may not have been listening to our show. He won the amateur. Okay, so he won a PGA Tour tournament, the American Express, which was out of PGA West, and he won it. He beat a bunch of pro golfers. He's the first golfer to win a P- or first amateur to win a PGA Tour event since 1991. And get this, Tony, he's the youngest amateur to win a tour event since 1910. So he did something that's not ever really done because these guys aren't supposed to win these tournaments but he's able to now be turn professional at any point and join the 2024 pga tour with automatic membership through 2026 but when he was asked on pga tour radio if he was going to become pro he said he doesn't know he's got to take a second to let what just happened sink in and that decision it's not just about him it affects a lot of people and right now he says quote i'm just going to try and enjoy this I don't know why he would be thinking about not going pro immediately. These guys, these guys well, why, work their entire careers to why, get a membership. Why wouldn't you just go pro? Is what is? Is there any well, reason you can think of? Yes, he could finish college 
he could, you know, play for his Alabama team and, and try to win a national championship, I guess. But he did win the U.S. Amateur Championship. He has also won the U.S. Junior Amateur Championship in his career. Uh, Dunlap joined Tiger Woods as the only – those two are the only golfers to win both the USAM and the U.S. Junior Amateur in their career. So he's got everything pointing towards him going pro, but there's something holding him back. So I find that and kind when, of interesting. When does he have to make this decision in terms of? I don't think yes. I don't think there's a hard and fast date. that says he can join at any point during the 2024 well, PGA so Tour season. So why make the decision? I mean, you got two year exempt. You get to play. Well, see, that's the thing. I've been trying to look for that answer. I don't know if he can just say in like 2026, oh, I want to take you up on that now. I think once you become a pro, then your clock starts for, through 2026. Got you. Got you. And so that means that he would be able to get into every field and he would be able to play as a professional and make money. The other thing that he didn't get from winning as an amateur, any of the prize money. I can't imagine winning a tournament with a $1.5 million purse and knowing I don't get any of it. That went to the second place guy. So that is uh, Nick Dunlap. He is we're going to be hearing about him, I have a feeling, with all the stuff he's done already. Uh, another thing that's coming up, remember the match and how great the match was? I thought I saw this, but I thought I was looking at something that was old. Well, I mean, the the idea the for the idea match is old. But is this old. is a new match, though, right? It's a new match. The first match was between Tiger and Phil in Vegas. That was awesome. Everybody I, tuned in for that. Everybody. Phil's like betting 10,000. This is Phil's playground yeah. huh, during this. Yeah, this. No, it was his playground. <laughs> and then it went into Tom Brady and Tiger and Peyton and Phil during the pandemic, which we thought was amazing because nothing else was happening. Right. And then it's gone downhill. Well, it kind of jumped the shark. So, I mean, it was a great idea yes when tiger was involved yeah and, and, Phil, then yeah. It, and then it was a great idea when we had nothing else we yes. didn't care what you put in front of yeah him. we were so watching pumped. tom brady and who else was it peyton manning peyton manning uh it wasn't aaron Rodgers. it was now i'm all of a sudden forgetting um and uh it was tiger Whoever. peyton Watch, tom brady wa- and yeah watching Phil. those guys go was still entertaining because we didn't have anything yeah but unless you got Tiger Woods and Phil or we don't have anything else to watch, it's really not a, 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 an idea that I think is going to garner a lot of eyes. I agree. Last year, I think during the summer, they had like a Patrick Mahomes, That's Josh interesting because I, I don't even remember that one. No one does because it happened on like a Wednesday night yeah. and it's like in the middle of the summer. But here, they announced the new match February 26th. It's going to be on TNT, and it's going to be on HBO Max, or just Max, I guess is what it's called. Yeah, Max. Max Homa, who's popular on the PGA Tour right now. Rory McIlroy, so that's a huge name, obviously. Uh, Lexi Thompson, Thompson, who is the biggest name on the women's tour. And then Rose Dang, who is very good, and she's the younger player who's coming up through the LPGA Tour. Now, I have no problems with them, with those four. Those four are big names in the golf world. Am I going to watch it? Probably not. They're not big enough. Probably not. They're not big enough. That that was the draw first. Was yeah. you got a Tiger Woods Phil Mac, Phil Mickelson straight up head to head matchup. There's some built in tension there. Yeah. Right. The next one, as I said, we didn't have anything else to watch, so of course we'll watch Tom Brady and Peyton Manning with Tiger and Phil. Of course we'll watch. I that. remember that Monday we played clips of it yes. because there was nothing else happening. But after that. Now that we're like back in the norm, you don't have the and those are big names in terms of golf, but they're not, but not big enough. Names. No, not household names. But I will say, if you, my guess is this will be the last iteration of it. I thought that like three iterations ago, 
I can't. I mean, you 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 don't. Now that Liv has got most of your golfers too, I oh, mean, that's like, another great where, point. Where, where are you going to go after this? Bryson DeChambeau wouldn't be able to play. I mean, there's a lot of golfers that Phil's definitely not going to be able Phil to play, can't anymore. play anymore. I will say though, if you are a fan of golf and you're curious about the LPGA tour, their LPGA is getting pretty good, and Lexi Thompson and Rosang are very good. So you know, Tiger are, wants to make he could do this. He could still he could probably still draw eyes to this too. Oh, he could. It's it's, a, it's he just, it's I just crazy. don't know if his body can actually hold up for it. Anymore. I don't know either. <laughs> the poor guy can't even. That's walk crazy. From the car. He hasn't played in you know meaningful golf in quite some time, and he still would probably outdraw these four, just him on the course by himself. Adam is asking, not our Adam. Why would anyone watch this in general, even with Tiger and Phil? I'll tell you, they caught lightning in a bottle the first time right. because it was new, it was different. They're going to making be making on course bets. They're going to be mic'd up. They're going to have all of that, but then it lost its shine. It was a one time deal it, it, for me. That's exactly. It, it's like a it's like a paper pay per view fight. Like yeah, give me that matchup that one time. Typically that that's where, that's where it ends though. Uh, yeah, that, that is where it ends because I don't want to spend like $90 every time on a pay-per-view. But I definitely, I mean, I'll, I'll guess I'll keep an eye on it. But I don't know that I'm going to be watching it at all. I don't know I'm going to be watching it. See a lot of uh, Stefan Diggs haters out there. Seems the GM for the Bills still see Diggs as a number one wide receiver despite dip, he says. Well, what else is he going to say? Touche. He's actually, in our eyes, he's a number three. <laughs> that would be something if he came out and said that. I actually think uh, we might be seeing the end of Stefan Stephon Diggs and in, in Oh, the Bills. What's his contract situation I like? don't know, but I, I will say this. Be careful what you ask for. I know he's been a diva and a thorn in your side, but the ascension good. of Josh Allen coincides with the addition of of Stefan Diggs. He's got one more year under contract and then he has a potential out, but he's technically under contract until 2027. Yeah, now he's getting paid. This is the last what? Guaranteed money, dear? No, this is the last year he has, has to play with the Bills. He has an out after this coming season. Oh, so 2024. I, my guess is he probably wanted an extension. Bills were like, "Eh, not quite yet," which Here's is why out. he was why he was quite um honry this year. <laughs> yes, he was. He's making uh, $22 million here's, next year. Here's what Brandon Bean had to say. Steph's, he's a number one. He's a number one receiver. I firmly believe that. Not wavering off of that. Listen, we have to continue to put weapons out there to keep this keep teams from bracketing him, or you know, locking him down in different ways to take him away. They know you are going to want. You, they they know you are going to want him. Steph can still play. I'm sure he would love to have that deep ball back again. He'd be the first to tell you. He's super competitive. He's going to work his tail off this offseason. I know there's various reasons or questions on this or his production, all that. But I still see Steph as a number one wide receiver. Doesn't necessarily mean it's his number one wide receiver. <laughs> That's a good. Oh, oh know, this is GM, all wordplay. GMs be they like to play these little word games sometimes. Yes, they man. do. Oh, I'm going to say he's the number one because all the other GMs are going to believe me. Just because I need might need to trade him at some point. <laughs> That's that is such a good point. <laughs> Let's get to break. A big five is what you deserve, and Josh Hader is on the big five list. We'll get into it on the other side. Morgan and Chris on the way. Back here in the Odyssey Palace, 97.3 The Fan, I'm Scraby. Tony's over there. 
Chris should be joining. Tony's over there. I am over here. Uh, Chris should be joining us here shortly. He is trying to get to his hotel at Utah State. He was very excited that there was no bad weather on his travel. Um, you guys remember this past summer, the USA basketball team getting beat? Yeah, I was so angry. Yeah, there's reinforcements coming. Like who? LeBron James. LeBron James. Steph Curry. Okay. Joel Embiid. Oh. oh. Became a citizen in 2022, so he is now oh, eligible. Oh, cool. Uh, those guys weren't, if you recall, part of that team. I think you had guys like, I think Austin Reeves was leading the way. Uh, Halliburton was mm. another guy leading the way. None of the, who are very, very good players. I was going to say, it kind of stinks for them. I know. I know some, <laughs> there are going to be some spots snatched away because LeBron, I, I believe KD is, wants to be a part of it as well. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Kyrie. So there's there's at least five spots that they're going to have a, have to loosen up. So they're ready spots. to reclaim the title. This is usually how it goes. Wasn't Dylan Brooks on that Team USA team? No, he's on Team Canada. Dylan Brooks is? He's a Canadian. I didn't know that. He's their problem. Yeah, so they, they've been added to the, the pool, the Paris pool. So they, they put a pool of guys together and then they kind of pick from there. Uh, Jason Tatum also involved in this pool play. So... Damon Lillard, who was also not in. So there's, there's, there's going to be some spots that are uh, going to be given up. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, three guys from that team last year are, are on this team. Anthony Edwards, <laughs> maybe Reeves and Halliburton. That, that might be it. And everybody else is going to be the big dogs coming in. Couldn't even name you anybody else on that team. But I do remember them losing, and I do remember us being up in arms about it. Yes, we were. Because we're America. We don't lose at basketball. America. America. Not supposed to lose. All right. We have the big five. We have a little bit of Netflix news to talk about. And you don't, it's not about the streaming shows or anything like that. It's about something else. Josh Hader spoke. Billy Wagner. Matt Snyder has a good thing to, for him to hear. And then the Yankees. <laughs> sorry, Tony. I'm just trying to stall until. He has a good thing for him to hear. What is? What do you mean by that? Uh, Matt Snyder has a good take on why. Billy Wagner should not worry about not making the Hall of Fame. That was a much gotcha. better way. Of I believe he's. I believe he has another three years left. One on. year. Oh, so he's he was at this nine. was his ninth. Okay, and I'll explain that. Also, the Yankees are going to be making changes to their uniform, their away uniform. What? So they don't ever do that. And, and, and no, and Chris Ello may be joining us here in the Big Five. So Can't let's get wait. to it. It's that time of the show when we check on the latest in sports. Only the most important topics and questions are brought to light. Stop what you're doing and listen. These news stories will astound and amaze you. The one, the only. Oh my God, who the hell cares? The Big Five starts now on 97.3 The Fan. All right. Let's get into it. Manny Machado on MLB Network right now doing a little bit of an interview. Tony, I think you're gonna have to, I think you're gonna have to talk to him about his camera angle. Is it? Is it? Is he got the? the he's got the low no, the low camera. He's got the low camera, so maybe something yeah. you should bring up the first moment you see him. You know, you... that's that's what happens when you don't have like a producer around. You know, that's random. You don't have producers. 
And his headphones are brand new because they're still like <laughs> wrapped up. <laughs> they are brand. They are brand new. They got the they got the crinkle in it. Still. Yes, yes. But he's fresh, on it. fresh cut though. Yeah, look like he just finished working out. Have you? Um, well, that's good because his elbow. He's coming back from elbow surgery. I think he's actually talking about it right now because he's he was just looking at his elbow. We're trying to figure out what he said here in a little bit. But well, he, I, I can guarantee he's probably talking about Adrian Beltre. Uh, that's why that was that was a dude who I think when he first came into the league was super good to him. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what he's talking about. Uh, did you know you can listen to 97.3 The oh, Fan with your smart brother-in-law is doing an interview. So oh. I mean that well even better. For Yonder's him. there. So uh, ask your device to play 97.3 The Fan to give it a shot. All right, let's get into number five. The first category or first question, and it will be Josh Hader. He made his uh, debut with the Astros yesterday. They did the whole press conference thing. And here's a quote that he said during the press conference. And I'll have a question after the quote. Josh Hader said, I will leave you with this, Houston. I promise to give you all I have on the field and in the community. We are excited to be here to win now and for many years to come. Uh, So, Tony, do you think we will see Josh Hader's usage be different from when he was with the Padres? Possibly. Possibly. Scraby. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, um, I mean, I kind of felt like this was going to be the case the whole time. Like, he got, for lack of a better word, he got jobbed over, and he feels like he got jobbed over in Milwaukee. Which they kind of did. They, they definitely they told him did. one thing and then completely took it back. Well, they, they, they just used it against him. Yeah. And, and, and so. Which is even more infuriating. I always felt like he wasn't going to risk anything until he got to free agency and, and got to the point where he needed to. He's there now. He's five years, $95 million richer. And now maybe he feels like, all right, they've committed to me. Now you'll get what he said. What was his quote? Um, I promise I, to give you all on the field. Give it my all. And in all the community. I have is what yeah. he said. Sorry. So, you know, now he feels the trust is there. The, he, the Astros are in the trust circle. As much as I don't want to highlight this part of it, I feel like people are going to be really mad about the community part, not the effort on the field, because there was no. I don't feel like we talked about it the other day. I personally don't feel like, and this is not Josh Hader's fault. He doesn't need to go out in the community, but I feel like there was no connection between the fans and Josh Hader. Here's, and so it, it rings a little hollow to me, and not a bad hollow, but he's saying he's going to give it his all. But here in San Diego, we saw. Did we, though? We don't know that. that I, we I'm saw, pretty sure he was out in the community I'm trying doing to things. phrase it, and I can't. Okay. Maybe you're right, but we didn't have that connection like he's trying to build with Houston. Whew, that was I think a piece of that, I think elements of that are true. Right? Like, he. He was certainly out in the community, but I could see how people felt like he was on borrowed time here. Yeah, it, it was just a means to an end. Maybe so. But, all right. He's going to be a forever polarizing figure in Padres' world. I can tell you that right now. How polarizing? Is he pol- more He's polarizing? He's not as polarizing than- as Eric Cosmer. Oh, okay, that was going to no. be my next question. For the rest of eternity, Eric Cosmer will be polarizing, especially when he's smoking a cigar in Manny's. My man Eric can't do nothing right in front of y'all. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. You know that picture probably happened, man. He was like, hey, man, come take a picture with us. He was already like in He's the like, corner. but no, I have I a cigar. There's a pregnant a woman. 
<laughs> no, I don't think he said that. All right, let's get to the next, which is the WWE news and Netflix news. Netflix and the WWE have reached a 10-year, $5 billion deal to exclusively stream Raw. Now, if you don't know what Raw is, it's their Monday weekly show. Monday Night Raw. I don't even know if it's on Monday it's anymore. Monday it's still Monday? Yes, my son watches it. Really? Yes. That kind of makes me happy. <laughs> WWE was awesome growing up. It, it, it and is. it's definitely more family-friendly now, right? It's way more family-friendly. Fa- there's no Val Venus? <laughs> no, there's, there's none of that. storyline was he was a former adult actor? Yeah, no. They don't, <laughs> they, they've gotten rid of those type of uh, characters. All right. Well, this is uh, starting in 2025. Uh, they're going to, again, 10 Say years. Say that number five, again. What was the dollar figure? Billion with a B. With a B dollars. Yeah, you know, for, um, for all of my... Brothers and sisters out there, 45 and older, it's coming. When you see a number like $5 billion, yeah, you can't tell me that the NFL, MLB, like, sorry, what? NBA, you can't tell me that they're not like, oh. If WWE can make $5 billion, I bet you the NFL can make $20 That is billion. for one day a week. One day a week for 10 years. For 10 years. One day a week they get to put Raw on. Stream it. Not to mention, Netflix tried to do this live streaming thing with the Love is Blind finale. Don't ask me how I know, even though I love that show. Um, <laughs> That's how you know. <laughs> and they tried to do it live. They it tried didn't to, work? It was um, epic disaster. How so? To the point where they didn't even get on air because they couldn't figure out the technical problems. Really? So well, How long ago was this? Three, four months ago? Like, wow, I didn't read about that. No, it was a major disaster. So they haven't really figured out how to do live streaming. No, or maybe it, that was the It doesn't seem the too thing hard. That, well, <laughs> no we're kidding. doing it right now. No kidding. But, I mean, but for that many people, though, I'm sure there's some complications in it. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of people that were mad usually, at Netflix. Yeah, usually for Netflix, prior to that, you, you get on Netflix, you watch what you want to watch. There's not millions of people watching the same thing you're watching yeah. at that time. Yeah, but they got to figure out the case, bandwidth. Yeah, so Netflix, you're on trial right now. All right, so we I guess we've already answered the question, but it was, will this have an effect on how we stream sports Right now, not right now. I still think it's it's still time away, a ways away. This because, opened everybody's eyes. But the NBA's TV contract is up after this year. Oh, is it? It is. How will they address it? We know MLB is, you know, slowly but surely getting out of these local deals. I think the NFL just signed a new one like a couple weeks ago, yeah. right? Uh, um. I can't say that I know that for sure. That it was Maybe a couple, weeks, a couple ago. weeks ago. Chris is week- listening and he's going to be like, well, Scraby, I want to bring up something that you said at 4.47 p.m. Yeah, this is a crazy news story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's headed that way. I can't wait to tell Chris because he's going to be really sad to hear about. He's going to be like, what's wrong? Exactly. <laughs> uh, Billy Wagner received 73.8% of the Hall of Fame vote and was not inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Next year is going to be his 10th and final year, and our guy Matt Snyder says history is on his side. Larry Walker jumped over 20 percentage points to get in on his last try. Wagner, though, is only 1.2 percentage points away and only needs to sway a handful of voters. Tony, how does a voter not think that person is a Hall of Famer and then later think they are a Hall of Famer. There's all kinds of reasons for these weird voting. He said right. sway a handful. Is he doing campaigning? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he was really close last year, too. Let me try like, to find it real quick. Right at this number. I I think because 
there are certain writers that, you know, you get 10 guys you can vote for, I believe. Okay. And I believe there are a lot of guys who just don't feel like 10 is, that's too many. Billy Wagner was 68.1 last okay, year. Okay, so he went up, he went about 5%. Yeah. Like, Gary Sheffield, what was his, 55? No, this year? Yeah. He was 63. Okay, only went up 8%. And that, was, up. and that was the last year of his of his ballot, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he falls off. So now it's stepped up to the committee. Uh, I think ultimately some of the, some of the writers that have it they don't they don't use all ten, and so guys have to come off the list in order for them to be moved up in certain writers. They don't feel like maybe they don't feel like some of these guys are deserving. You just click something in my head. Guys get off the list. Now you have a different pool of people to choose from. Before they weren't good enough. They now look they different now because it's the list. All right, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Good explanation, Tony. I'm glad that made sense. I don't have any answers. Number two. All right, we just talked about him. Stefan Diggs, you said it. He's probably going to be done with the Bills. Uh, Brandon Bean says he. Can, if you give me a first-round pick, you're going to get a number one receiver, the GM of the Bills. Uh, you're, or I'm up first. What current coach in the NFL would be best for Stefan Diggs? I thought about this long and hard. Part of me says Sean Payton because he is hard on his players and he does not allow divas to be a part of the locker room. But I feel like that would end horribly. Did he have Michael Thompson on his team? Michael Thomas, yeah. Michael Thomas, I mean. He still did. Oh, he did on the, he did. On the uh, Saints. I think the best coach for Stephon Diggs is going to be a guy who's going to throw in the ball a ton. And that's going to be Sean McVay. I think Sean McVay would take in Stephon Diggs, and he would design an offense around him and Cooper Cup. Matt Stafford would have a great set of receivers with Puka Nakua. I think this is a no-brainer for the Rams. But if we're talking head coach, like, who will get him in shape? Mike Tomlin's the only answer. Tony? I think he's fine where he's at. I think that's the best coach for Julian him. says, Diggs said he's content and will stay with the Bills and will not request a trade. I've heard that, like... 400 times. I, I think he's going to stay. I think he's going to wise Wait, I up. thought you just got done last segment saying he's going to go. Would, I said it would seem like the writing's on the wall based on everything oh, we've okay. heard from him that, that he is going to go, but I think he should stay. I think that ultimately he needs Josh Allen as much as Josh Allen needs him. True. They both have taken off since they have connected with one another. Um, there's many the, the quarterbacks. There's, 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 I, can t- I can guarantee you there ain't but maybe three quarterbacks that you could take over Josh Allen. Yeah. Oh, ain't yeah. That, ain't Brock that many. Purdy's one of them. So. Right. No, you better knock <laughs> you it off. You said right. No, you I did not right. know you were going to say yeah. Brock Purdy. Yes. yes. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Stephon Diggs. Hey, he's a good... He, the, grass been... is, the grass is not always greener on exactly. the other side. Exactly. Number one. All right. The New York Yankees are going to be making changes to their road uniform. Now, when I first read this article, I thought it was like the first time in, you know, 70, 80 years or something like that. And uh, it's actually the first time since 2015 that they've changed these uniforms. But the it's going to be the road uniform, the Yankees. And currently, right now, they have New York on the front. And it has white lettering around the New York. And on the back uh, of your jersey, on your number, it has white it has not lettering. It has white. Uh, what's outline? It? Outline to it. So all they're doing is just taking away the white outline. My uh, question to you, Tony, is: Does this matter? No, exactly. Most people won't notice it. I, I only I only the insane people who look at uniforms like I do 
will notice that the white outline is gone. My question is, what causes... Because it's not easy to change uniforms. You have to go through a process with the league to actually change the look of a uniform. What causes them to be like, we don't want the white outline anymore? You know, whatever the owner decides. <laughs> Ultimately. I mean, that's, so he's spending his time on the white outline. Like, you know what? I just... I think at one point the the uniforms didn't have the white outline. I think they may have gone back and forth. Oh, on so this. maybe it's like a. This uh, feels like an original type deal. Okay. Yeah, this doesn't matter to me. The Lakers did this a couple years ago. They added like the the drop shadow back to it after they had taken it away. Like teams do they still do have this. it. I don't even know. They got so many uniforms now. I can't keep up. Yeah, basketball does have a lot of uniforms. Baseball. I mean, Yankees look. I, I get like you said, no one's gonna notice that. All right, that's it for the big five today. Nice that was job. your number one was the Yankees in their dropping of the white shadow. Usually, I use number one for like a thirty second topic because they're usually running like, out of time. Touche. <laughs> so touche. I'm we didn't have Chris today. I'm surprised you didn't have a TMZ element to um, your number one question. Sometimes it don't even have nothing to do with sports. Oh yeah, but today. I saw this, and I, and it was a big deal. I got a push notification about it. Like, I don't need a push notification about the uniforms of the Yankees. Just not my thing. Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Maurer enter the – or make up the 2024 – well, take that back. Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, and Jim Leland make up the 2024 uh, Hall of Fame class for baseball this year. Congratulations to those gentlemen. Um, I don't know. We talked a little bit about the Wolves Hornet game. You know, my favorite thing the NBA does is they release that uh, report. The about ref report. The, the ref report. Okay. Apparently, there were ten missed calls in the final two minutes of that game. I did see this headline. I didn't know how they ten missed calls. It. Like that seems a little excessive in the last two minutes of a game, and that they they were missed calls. But how can you say a call is missed when it's a judgment thing? It's not supposed to be a judgment thing. If you if if you slap me across my arm, it's not a judgment. You might have missed it, but it's certainly a foul. Seems very strange because sometimes they say, "Oh, the flow of the game, they were letting them play." That's a that's a is that's that a, just a football that's a thing? talking head point oh, right there. Oh, that's a that's a it's mass not, gravy. Point. That's not ideally how uh, referees should be doing it. We'll have to ask our resident referee. Oh, when that's we right. Return. Is well, he going to be back? I don't know. <laughs> He's got to be here by at least I five twenty, <laughs> or we might as well just do the rest of it ourselves. I, I did send a text earlier today. Should we plan on you being here for five twenty? He said, "Yep, no problem." He did. He gave the thumb up, thumbs up with the uh, blush emoji. emoji. We yeah. got two emojis today. <laughs> More Gwyn and Chris all the way. Five o'clock hour means the happy hour. Pull up a seat. Welcome to the happy hour. Come on in. Come on. We're inviting you to. Some good old times. Last hour of the show. Uh, still waiting on Chris Ello. I don't know what happened on this drive to Logan. I know he's all right, but he's not in a spot to set up yet and join us. I got to say, one of the, like, the traveling for the Mountain West is brutal because you only can fly into the major airports and then you have to drive hours. So, Chris, I, I, he said. Hour he, 19, right? Hour 19 from Salt Lake to. Logan, Utah, on a bus, which yeah. takes forever. So we're, we're waiting on Chris. Um, in, in terms of the news today, not a lot going on. 
What we do know is the NBA is uh, making some noise today. They've pretty much led the way in terms of sporting news. Uh, it started last night. Joel Embiid put up 70, becomes the ninth player to score 70 points in an NBA game. Um, certainly it comes on the 18th year anniversary on Kobe Bryant scoring 81. Uh, Joel Embiid went with the Wilt Chamberlain piece of paper, 70 on it. Yeah, that was cool. I think he's the first player, though, to have 70, 15, and 9, I think it was. He had 9 assists? Yeah, something along those lines. He had a, a, a unbelievable day. And a victory, I might add, against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Wimby, who I, I saw him kind of joking around, he, he made – Wimby makes Joel Embiid look small. And it's the strangest thing to that see this dude – who, you know, Joel Embiid's seven one. He's a true seven footer. Wimby making him look like a, a, a small person. There's no in my mind, there's no way Wimby could guard him. Yeah, the, he's too light in the, the size behind. of yeah. Embiid is like then twice of what No Wimby one has. did guard him last night. I mean, it was it was a pretty spectacular performance. And I, as I said, with a win. Now, the other performance in last night's NBA was Carl uh, Anthony Towns. He put in 62. Um, unfortunately for Carl Anthony Towns, they lose to the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets were, I think, 4-17 and 17 on the road going into that game. They get their fifth win. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Carl Anthony Towns only scored four points in the fourth quarter. He had 20s in the first two. I think he had high teens in the third and then only four uh, in, that, in that fourth quarter. And we played it earlier for you guys. Chris Finch was not happy with his ball club. Well, I mean, it was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball um, all the way through the game. So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump. So this is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach. Just because you've scored two or three or four points in a row or baskets in a row, it doesn't, you know, obviously we're going to try to feed a hot hand, look for a hot hand, but at some point we got to get back to making the right play. We got to get back to doing the right things. Um, and, um, you know, that's just, uh, like I said, there's a lot of ways to be immature. There's always a lot of ways to be immature. Um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the, the roster. We totally disrespected uh, the game ourselves. Um, and we got exactly what we deserve. So he was he was not happy, as Tony would say, yowzas, <laughs> yowzas. I love this. No, I mean, listen. If you watched any of the the game, it was pretty apparent what he was talking about. The Minnesota Timberwolves. This isn't you know your your your, your granddad's. You okay? No, I'm not. <laughs> this is this isn't your granddad's T Wolves. This team is good. This is number two team in the Western Conference right now. And they're playing the Charlotte Hornets, who are one of the worst teams in the league. And what he was talking about is, it, you know, Carl Anthony Towns got going early. They fed the hot hand. And he was pretty much hot until the fourth quarter. But in the process of you consistently, or his team consistently going to Carl Anthony Towns, everybody else ends up doing what? They end up watching. Yeah. And, and it takes everybody else out of the game. And all of a sudden, Charlotte was able to – they basically outscored the T-Wolves by 20. Anthony Edwards, who, who's having a breakout season, had nine points. 
He only had 11 shots. Something wrong with that. that. that I mean, that's, that's not how they got to be the second-best te- team in the Western Conference. It was a great performance by Carl Anthony Towns. I think he was 10 of 15 from the three-point line, but that's all in a loss. I think his team will probably respect him and and use this because they're of their success. I, if this I, I, comes, that's a great point. If this comes in a season where they they have a losing record or things aren't going well, they're tuning out. It's like you're not doing anything right yourself. Look where yeah. we're at. But yeah. this team, he clearly has their attention. I mean, nobody had the T Wolves. I don't care if it is only January 23rd. Nobody had them being the second team in the Western Conference. No, it's a team that barely got in last year. Timberwolves are like the last time they were good was when Kevin Garnett was on the team. In my mind, it's been a while. It's been a long time. I know Patrick Beverly was running around jumping on <laughs> things when they got in the playoffs that one year, but they haven't been this good since Kevin. Garnett. Where's Pat Bev? Is he? He's with the Seventy Sixers. He was a part of that seventy point joint uh, okay. yesterday. He keeps finding teams that love him. He's a winning player. Yeah, you know he's he's tough. I mean, you hate him if he's. On the other side, I know I do. Yeah, but when he's on your team, you love him. He's one of those type of guys. Uh, he is funny though because he took the camera from the audience that one time <laughs> and showed, <laughs> and the, showed ref. the referee. That's an all timer. That right is there. an all timer. That, that is. is an all timer. Um, there was a trade today. Uh, the Heat trade Kyle Lowry. They get Terry Rozier. I would describe it as basically the Heat got a younger, more athletic version of Kyle Lowry. A tough-nosed defender, like he's willing. They call him Scary Terry for a reason. He used to get it when Brooklyn, or not when he was with the when he was at the Celtics. Remember that Kyrie Irving got hurt. That's where Terry Rozier got to kind of step in, and that team ended up having some success. But he's been kind of in the background in Charlotte. Nobody was really paying attention out there. Plus, they got Lamelo Ball. So now he comes to his Heat team. I don't know that you can pick a player that fits the Heat culture that they talk about as good as Terry Rozier. He's going to fit in perfectly with that team. So then why did the Hornets make this trade? Because the Hornets are bad. But they're not really getting anything they got, back. They got some picks, too, I think. Okay, I'm not mistaken. Picks, I don't think sorry. it was just a straight-up straight up trade. The trades in the NBA are always so confusing to me because usually they involve three you got, teams. And you got to match, picks. you got to match salaries yeah, and things. That, of that sounds nature. very confusing. It definitely can be uh, confusing. I think the biggest news in the NBA though is Adrian Griffin, who has coached the Milwaukee Bucks to a thirty and thirteen record. He gets let go today. A, a bit of a surprise for a team that is also second in the Eastern Conference, only behind the Boston Celtics. Um, there has been some slippage. This has been a, a defensive team since they've come into their success, and they are now third, I think, uh, third from the bottom in defensive efficiency. Um, this team is still almost 20 games over 500, but uh, certainly the brass in Milwaukee felt like there needed to be a change. Uh, General Manager John Horse in a statement said this was a difficult decision to make during the season. We are working immediately towards hiring a new head coach. We thank Coach Griffin for his hard work and contributions to the team, but it's already being said that Doc Rivers is at the top of the list, and I just saw something come across my phone that said they've already been in discussions in terms of him taking over this team. And, you know, you you make a trade and you bring a Damian Lillard, you get rid of Drew Holiday, who was on your championship team, uh, there's probably a lot of expectation now. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it, but we don't know what's going on on the inside. You know, one of the biggest things I learned in this job 
is that we have no idea what's happening inside the building. Yeah. And it could be that he's really hard to work with or something where they're just like, this guy needs to go. Um, but it just sounds like they caught, to me, it sounds like they're like, I, I don't even know how to put it because it's so crazy because he's winning. And even if their defense is bad, you want to keep that flow going. Doc Rivers, even though he's an experienced coach, he's going to come in and things are going to be different for that team. Yeah, it's an interesting move. They're, they're three and a half games behind the number one seed, so they're not by any means out of it. Um, they just haven't played at least to what the expectation was. It's been, as I said, it's been a defensive-oriented team, and they have played no defense this year. And you still got the same roster that was terrific. You still got Brooke Lopez. You still got Giannis. You still got Portis. You got some defenders that that do it there, and it just hasn't come to fruition, at least from that standpoint. At least the NBA is not like, I think I said it earlier, college football, where they hire a guy for $70 million and then they fire him like three this is, games in. This is the college football version of that, though. Yeah, but this doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. First year firing? He, he just got the job in during the offseason after they fired in Budenholzer. Yeah. And, and so obviously they four, liked him then. Four, right. Four and a half months later, he gone. That would be rough. That would be really rough. Because now, I mean, he's fine. He'll be financially okay. But now he doesn't have a job. Yeah. Now he's just, I mean, maybe a team brings him in, but not as a head coach. Uh, Tristan Thompson suspended for 25 games. PEDs. Yeah. It's, they, they weren't working. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they were working. He just got caught. I guess so. I didn't even know he was still in the NBA. When you told me that earlier, I was like, really? I honestly, I, I forgot that he was in the league. I didn't know that he was. I forgot that he was with the Cavs at I, this point. I mean, how many teams has he played for? Honestly, he played I'm for the Lakers briefly. Briefly, he played for a lot of teams briefly, um, but I can't find it quick enough. The the drug that was um, he was caught with is known to um, boost HGH levels. Human growth hormone. Yes. And is it like a common one? I'm not sure if it's common or not, but that's the drug that he uh, ended did. He up say pop for a I, friend gave it to him. He he did that's not. That's the next thing that's he, usually said. He did not give an excuse, at least that I read okay. at this point. Doesn't mean he didn't tell the folks something, but um, he's suspended for 25 games. He started with the Cavs in 2011. He actually played there for nine years. And then he went to the Celtics, the Kings, the Pacers, the Bulls, the Lakers. And now he's back with the Cavs. Ibutamorin, which is a growth hormone commonly used by bodybuilders and weightlifters for muscle enhancement. And apparently, he didn't even try to, like, it seems like it was pretty blatant. Like, he didn't even try to mask it. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I put up a poll earlier today of Clayton Kershaw. And whether or not the Padres should kick the tires on him. Hold that thought. Oh, why? Because we're going to go to break. Clayton Kershaw, Noah Syndergaard, possibly Michael Lorenzen. Padres? We'll discuss. <laughs> on the other side, more going to Chris. Five nineteen. Spring training right around the corner. I'm heading out on the 18th. When is the actual pitchers and catchers report date? It's great. You know? um, I did check it a little bit ago. Let me just double check before I Meanwhile, tell the wrong thing. 
Padres may or may not, depending on who's telling the truth, <laughs> be in on Michael Lorenzen and Noah Syndergaard, both through bullpen sessions for about 16 MLB teams in California uh, today, sources say. Both players impressed in throwing session, with Syndergaard consistently sitting 93-95. to 95. Syndergaard, 31, is coming off a season in which he posted a 6-5-0 ERA, 88 innings with the Dodgers and Guardians. He's a candidate for a one-year deal, drawing interest from said to be the Padres and the Pirates, among others. Lorenzen had the no-no in the Vans. Who was he? Was he pitching with the? Who was he pitching with when he threw the no hitter? Oh, it was the, the Phillies. Phillies. Yeah, it was like his first start for yeah. the Phillies in after the, they traded for him. Got him in the vans, and by the time he got to San Diego, he was coming out of the bullpen. Second half of the season didn't go as well as the first had did. Remember, the Phillies traded for him at the at the deadline. He yes, was one of the did. deadline deals. Yeah, trying to bolster that team. I don't even know that he was on the postseason roster. I don't think he was by that time. Well, <laughs> so. Uh, I found out that it's February 11th that pitchers and pit- catchers, yeah, which is a terrible date for them because that's uh, Super Bowl Sunday right there. They're going to be oh, after yeah. doing that. They're going to be reporting and then leaving. Oh, so well, yeah, tell us what what does a report day look like? Like the first day, no, the report. There won't be any like real workouts. I mean, there will be some workouts. There'll be some bullpens thrown. Uh, what you alright? Yeah, Chris told us he wasn't going to be on the show, but now he says he's there. You know, you know how that goes. So is is he coming on? He are says you? he's connected. Chris, are you there? Oh, yes, he is. Tearing up some paper. No, that's his microphone. Chris, can you hear me? Hello. Hey. Hi, Chris. Yeah. You're on. Man. <laughs> that <was> smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Super how was, smooth. How was your travel? He like one mile an hour, or was he going under the speed limit? I don't know, but we it took way too long. I mean, it's supposed to be an hour and 19 minutes. It took like two hours. You sound a little cranky. You right do now, sound Chris. a little cranky. I'm good. All right. All right. Well, we're talking uh, Michael Lorenzen, Noah Syndergaard. They both threw bullpens for 16 MLB teams. Padres were reportedly one of the teams. Uh, it sounds uh, – these guys always impress in these uh, particular bullpen sessions, but – uh, these are first couple names that have come across our uh, board here in okay. quite some time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. This is. Uh... Are we actually on the air? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's why I was confused as to what is going on. I was like, I was so confused. I thought you guys were just like talking to me off the air. No, 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 you, no, no, no. You're Hi, on... everyone in San Diego. <laughs> How goodness. are you? Oh, thank goodness you. Yeah, okay. You guys in San Diego are so lucky. You are so lucky because you're not in Logan, Utah, where it's freezing cold. Um, well, I'm happy to hear a couple of names have come across the board for the Padres, if nothing else, and at least. The Dodgers aren't signing these guys, right? I mean, True. or at least we don't think so. Did they get James Paxton done today? Yeah, it sounds like they did get James Paxton done. Yeah, they're just making it really, really unfair and really, un, really, uh, really making everyone in San Diego very unhappy with all these Dodger signings. But, you know, the Padres just got to keep moving forward doing what they do. I have a question for you, Chris. Now, I put up a tweet earlier today that said, okay, I'm going to ask it for the show. 
Should the Padres bring in Clayton Kershaw? Yes or no? And the no vote won, which I expected. It did. 70.6% versus 29.4%. The first comment I got was... Why do you think that was? I don't know. The first comment I got was, are you on drugs? (laughs) And I said maybe, but I'm not. I don't Uh, think you are. I think it's not my money. I mean, you'd probably have to pay more than you want to, but I'm... You know what? I've given up on giving up on Clayton Kershaw. Hmm. That's a good way of putting it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it seems like this guy, you know, is about ready to not be able to get the job done, and then every year he keeps getting the job done. And I know he pitched poorly in the one playoff game, but he helped him get there. Yeah, I, I would love something like that in the last-minute move. Why are Padre? Are, I, I know why, but Padre fans got to get over this whole thing that we can't have a guy who ever played on the Dodgers before. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that Clayton would entertain it, but if he did and he was willing to sign, yes, absolutely. But why wouldn't he entertain it? If the Dodgers aren't willing to bring him back, I guess he could go find a contender that's closer. In the same way Tony Gwynn didn't want to consider the other options out there. It's, it might be important to him to play in one place. He could go back to his hometown, Texas. We know they've been in on him the last couple of years, but he hasn't done it. And that tends me. That leads me to believe that it's important, at least for at least, in, it seems as if it's more important to um, to play with one team. He's been there his whole career. I can understand how that's like important, Chris. I, I mean, I mean, wouldn't it be juicy if Clayton Kershaw came to the Padres, had his usual incredibly great regular season, and then in the playoffs? Pitch the game of his life against the Dodgers. That would oh, be juicy, man. That'd right? Be very juicy. How juicy would that be, San Diego fans? <laughs> that Come would on, be sweet. <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't thinking this through properly. You know, the one thing I think that they're going to have to do—I brought this up earlier—is they're going to have to apologize for the crying Kershaw meme on the board. Oh yes, they might have to. They might have to do that. <laughs> he might be actually kind of angry at the Padres now that I think about it. Because... I know, I know, he wasn't happy about it. I can tell you that. I got, I got to yeah. ask you, Chris, because I haven't got. A chance to talk to you. Hall of Fame uh, votes are in. Your guy did talk- not get to hear who did ah. not get to hear who was uh, who got put in. I've been on that that bus to, to nowhere <laughs> for the last few hours. <laughs> three guys got in. Three guys. That's three guys. it. Yeah, Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Mauer are your three guys. Wow. I got to tell you, I'm very surprised. I thought Wagner was going to make it. He finished to one point two percent short. And wow. Gary Sheffield. And, and, and you and I both thought Sheffield and Andrew Jones should have been in. But. Yeah, Sheffield ended up, uh, I think, 12% short. I think he was a 63.9. Wow. Um, there's a drop-off between Wagner, who had 73.1, and uh, Sheffield, who had 63%. But those are your, those are your guys. Getting Why do you it? think I, Sheffield I, didn't make it? Because he was, his name was in the report. It's got to be the only thing. I think that has a lot to do with it. Because yeah, he's got the he's got numbers to support him. Yeah. Twenty two years, long time. But your guy yeah. gets in though, Todd Helton. He, uh, they showed his phone call. Was he a happy guy? He was. He was holding back well, tears. I mean, you know, there's nobody on earth other than me and maybe Todd Helton himself who own a Todd Helton Tennessee Volunteer <laughs> orange jersey. We know each other way too well because I brought that up brought earlier. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I said now I, you could wear it with pride. Now I can wear it with pride. I, I bought that because our old boss took me to a Tennessee football game 
down in uh, in Knoxville, and I bought him a jersey, and I bought me one, and I just thought I didn't really know what name to put on the back of mine, so I, I thought it'd be fun to put a Todd Helton jersey, and I got a lot of good re- good response from the fans down there at uh, Tennessee. So I wear it once in a while, and Scraby laughs at me because it, it's kind of a bright color. It's super bright. Well, it's orange. Yeah, it's, cre- <laughs> it's like green bright, bright orange. Yeah, it's Tennessee bright orange. It's the most random orange. jersey of all time. So, Chris, you it know, is. you you were kind of keeping us uh, uh, on, you keeping tabs on the game last night before we ended the show, but. Joel Embiid ends up with 70 points last night. Uh, yeah, at least and, he won the game, yeah, was, unlike, uh, <laughs> unlike Carl Anthony Towns, yeah. whose who's coach like lit him up and the whole team up yeah, we, we played after the, that we, game. We played the sound uh, for, for our listeners, Chris Lynch, or excuse me, Chris yeah. Finch, get li- right. lighting into his teammates, or his, his team. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joel Embiid, I mean, I, I, he broke the 76er record, which I was – I was stunned by. It right? was his, I think it was his. Points. I think it was his own record that he broke too. Man, I mean that's 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 a good night. It, it makes you believe. I mean Kobe's. I mean Kobe's yeah. eighty-one is still another ten points away. But it feels like if you get seventy, you ought to just try to get eighty, right? I mean you're just you're so close. Carl Anthony Towns actually broke Kobe's record for the first half though with forty-four. Yeah. 10 of, so. 15, 10 of 15 from three-point land as a big man. You know, I can't help but think about what those guys would do NBA. Like, what would Michael be able to put up in this NBA? What would Kobe be able to put up in this NBA? Right, because Michael would be attempting at least 15 threes a game as opposed to the two that he used right. to attempt. Right, That wasn't part of the game plan back then you know to shoot that many threes it was it was considered kind of a risky shot yeah and uh so jordan didn't even jordan didn't even set himself up outside the line so you're right he would have approached 40 the other guy i've always thought about is in college pete maravich yeah who scored 40 a game at lsu and there was no there as was no three-point shot at all yeah as a guard and he they didn't that. right and he showed he scored 40 some odd a game for his career at LSU. So he would have been up around 50 with the three-point line. So, yeah, these guys, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, you can say what you want, and his coach can yell all he wants, but 10 out of 12 shooting in the first half from three, that's good even for Devin Booker or for Steph Curry, Yeah, let alone for Carl Anthony Towns. These guys are impressive, Tony. They really are. This is the most skilled era of basketball I agree. In the history of basketball, there, there's no question. I agree, and I know old-timers don't want to hear it because old-timers still like the way they used to set screens and <laughs> you know run plays and right. you know do all those things. And I, I appreciated all that stuff, but it's ridiculous just how I think good these guys are right now. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, let's get to break. When we come back, A.J. Casavell joined us earlier. We talked fantasy basketball, unfortunately. And what the Padres <laughs> have on tap. More Gwen and Chris on the way. Five thirty-nine on the clock. You'll get to hear AJ Casaval here in minutes. Chris Sello, Tony Gwynn Jr., Matt Scravy. Chris, it's pretty cold out there, huh? Uh, Thirty-six. So you, you know, not the worst I've seen. <laughs> that sounds terrible. for Utah. But, uh, you know, I just want to give a quick, you know, if you're on your way to the Aztec basketball game tonight, enjoy. Six o'clock tip-off. I know the Aztecs are big favorites. I think 17 points, Tony. 17 and a half. 
Yeah, but uh, you know these games, you can't afford any missteps right now in this conference. So Aztecs, you know, need a nice, nice, solid win tonight there against Wyoming, and and then they get a then they get uh, the weekend off to kind of practice for a week before they play Colorado State and Utah State. So sets up for Brian Dutcher, but you got to go into that week off with a win. Yeah, no doubt about it. Dutch and, and the Aztecs looking to bounce back after a tough uh, loss. Um, this is um, they got they got Wyoming right. It's at home, so yeah, yeah. that's yeah, a tip off here in about an hour and twenty minutes. Uh, AJ, no, twenty minutes, twenty yeah. minutes, six o'clock. Tonight. Oh, it's a six o'clock start. I thought it was seven o'clock. That's right. Oh, Sorry, excuse me. That too. Nineteen minutes yeah. from now. Wow. That's right. Yeah, if if you're listening to the show, you better jump in the car and go. Yeah, don't <laughs> you wait. better be in your seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, AJ Casville joined us earlier. Uh, here he is. Here's some traffic. AJ, how are you? Your off season is coming to an end here quickly. Oh, that's not that's not a great way to welcome me. I, I enjoy the off season, and, you know, and I I enjoyed spending my off season Friday night last night watching the Nets beat up on on the Lakers. Oh, oh yeah. Even the Nets are terrible. I didn't want to let that get swept under the rug if I was coming on the show. <laughs> Nor should you. I have to tell you, that's as salty as I've been this season watching the Lakers. So salty. They. <laughs> They were handling business, and then the third quarter came, and it was like it was a it was an imposter team out there as the Lakers. They got drummed by Brooklyn, and uh, I certainly don't do this often, but I definitely took it in a little bit of happiness as the Clippers came back and beat them the following day. <laughs> and I never do that, Ooh. but I, that's how upset I was. AJ, uh, Padres. Well, I was at that game. Actually, you went to the game. Yeah, the Laker tickets are too expensive, but the Clippers tickets I can get. Really? So, that's that, surprising to that me. Is, that is a, that because is, the Clippers are just so much better than the Lakers right easy, now. Easy, easy. <laughs> that is a not-so-secret secret, secret uh, deal there. Before we get into the baseball, I have to ask you about fantasy basketball. No, you don't. Tony was telling us the other day that he is uh, still struggling. He's got some injury. But how are you doing this year, AJ? We know you struggled last uh, year, but this year? <laughs> yeah, terrible. Really, really bad. I, I Tony and I got to figure something out for next season this, because we're both we're we, both, we've been at the bottom of this league for a couple of years and I'm pretty good when it comes to like other stuff like I've, I've won my fantasy hockey league a couple of times I don't don't watch hockey that much but this fantasy basketball league is just, yeah I, I haven't been able to figure it out I'm I, I'm getting pummeled every week so maybe maybe the two worst teams combine next year and we come together or something because oh. right now it's not working for either I'm relegation I'm, maybe I, we, if there was a relegation <laughs> we would be, be kicked out already okay. that's how bad it's been uh AJ Casville joins us and, and AJ obviously the Padres uh they still have some things that they they have to address uh, it, it's looking more and more as we get closer to spring training that it's not going to be one of those big, splashy uh, bad boys. It's going to be something along the lines of, of late. You, you're hearing reports Syndergaard and, and Lorenzen had uh, had bullpens and Padres were in attendance. Is that the kind of signings that we can look to uh, in terms of filling some of those open spots? I think maybe for a signing, that would probably be the level. I think I still think it's possible there's some, some version of a trade out there that, that comes to fruition. Maybe – that's, that's not necessarily any reporting on my front. That's just kind of knowing the way AJ Preller operates, the way he goes about getting his guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think at, the, at this point, where where the Padres are and kind of what they've shown so far this offseason, there are still plenty of holes on this roster in the outfield and the rotation. Uh, maybe the way they go about getting those guys is is in some bargain buy low signings like like that, and and 
on the pitching side of things, especially, they've proven that they can take those guys and turn them into real legitimate options. So we'll see uh, kind of where that fits in with, with, what the, with what they're trying to do. Talking to AJ Casville of com here on Gwen and Chris. And AJ, we were... Well, I, we weren't talking about this yesterday. I was talking about this on Twitter this morning, and I got crushed for it. But have you heard anything about the Padres? And let me just get this out of the way. I am not saying that the Padres should sign Clayton Kershaw. I just asked the question. But do you think that the kick, the tire kicker, A.J. Preller, should kick some tires on Clayton Kershaw? Well, I think the tire kicker, A.J. Preller, should probably kick tires on every creation. <laughs> okay. I, he's, Kershaw, Kershaw, I think, maybe given the injuries he's he's dealt with, depending on like what he'd be asking for and where, and where you'd be uh, where the Padres would, would kind of be with their rotation. I think they might need just a little bit more certainty in terms of what they're getting inning wise, innings wise from a, from a starting pitcher. Obviously Clayton Kershaw is maybe the best pitcher of this generation and everything, but he's, he's not that guy right now. And, and you want the innings in a rotation that doesn't have a lot of guarantees right now. I mean, even, even you Darvish and Joe Musgrove who, are as far as we know healthy and going to embark on a regular spring training. They're coming off injuries last season, and so when you're when you're trying to find guys, if you're trying to find guys on on bargain deals, I think you're looking for guys who who can can be guaranteed a little bit more innings than that. AJ Castleville joins us here MLB.com, and AJ, we often spend our time talking about who they don't have on this roster. Well, what they do do have on this roster is the likes of uh, Xander Bogarts, of Fernando Tatis Jr., and, and probably most importantly, Manny Machado. Machado. Now, he's coming, going to be coming into this season having had elbow surgery, but he's also due for a bounce-back season in, in, in regards how big of of a season does, or will a bounce-back season, I should say, have in, in, in terms of where this Padre team can go? Yeah, he's he's obviously critical and I've been kind of going around position by position on this roster writing about each spot and third base was the one I did last week and it, it was just probably the simplest one because he's the guy he's entrenched there for a long time and you kind of know you're going to get you know what you're going to get in terms of the effort and and what he's what he's going to bring to the table and the fact that he's going to try as hard as he can to play every single day yeah. if he's healthy I expect him to be back in that MVP discussion like he's been basically the last couple seasons when he has been healthy and so I, I just think that uh, after the way last season went after maybe some of the blame that he got for for whatever chemistry issues were going on in the Padres clubhouse that I think I mean I think there was plenty of blame to go around and I know Machado's status as the highest paid player and whatnot puts him in the spotlight but but maybe some of it fell a little too squarely on him I think there's going to be so much incentive for a guy like Manny Machado to 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 use as motivation for turning things around next season when he already doesn't need much of it to, yeah. to kind of get to what, what we've seen at an MVP level when we've seen him at an, at an MVP level before. And so I think he's the kind of guy that, that uses that stuff and will probably use some of the, the talk about the Padres this off season. They were obviously so nationally relevant last year, this year, it, it feels like nationally they're an afterthought and Manny Machado is the kind of guy that internalizes that and uses it to drive him. And so, if I'm guessing, I, w- I would say that he's right back in that in that upper echelon of player, all MLB, maybe back in the MVP discussion this season. Well, that'd be a great thing for everybody involved. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> We're talking sure. to AJ Casavell here of MLB.com about the Padres, and I know you are not even to spring training yet, as Tony so rudely pointed out at the beginning of this, that your <laughs> offseason was almost over. But And so I don't know if you have an answer for this, but how many of the guys in AAA, AA, and the minor leagues 
are the Padres realistically looking at having on the opening day roster? As of right now, obviously there's there's some spots available. Now I think there's those those spots are going to dwindle over the next couple weeks as the Padres sign guys even at the fringes of their roster. And and so I've, I've said this a few times. I don't think the Padres want to go into the season expecting their guys at Triple A, Double A, the guys like Jacob Marcy, Graham Pauly, those guys to be definitive roster guys like like they kind of are right now if you're mapping out a, a 26-man roster based on the players the Padres have they want those guys to have to earn their spot and so you want to you want to ask your high profile younger players to earn their way onto the big league roster whether that's in May whether that's in June whether that's at the start of the season if they have a really big spring and so I don't think there's probably that many places available for those guys come the start of the season the Padres are probably pretty clearly banking on those guys to make a leap and I don't know which of the guys it'll be, but you want those guys to, to to maybe not just be on the roster because the Padres don't have anyone else. The Padres need to sign maybe two more outfielders, another bench guy, and if one of those guys supplants a proven major leaguer to earn that spot, then you say, hey, all the better. We have we got room for you on our roster and, and go out and contribute. You mentioned you've been writing about some of the positions, position by position, and you, you've hit on the shortstop spot. Xander Bogart's in year two uh, with this Padre organization. Now, it, it didn't start well for him, but it certainly ended very well for him. What do you think year two looks like for Xander? And more importantly, possibly, is it at some point, are you having to address the defensive side of this, or are we still another year away from that? I mean, it, it depends on kind of how he defends this season. I think if you get what you got last season out of him, he's, he's a perfectly capable, adequate shortstop, and yeah. then you have three outstanding defenders around him in the infield. Obviously, there's the question mark about whether whether Hassan Kim should be playing shortstop. I think it's, it's not even a question. I think Hassan Kim is a better defensive shortstop than Xander Bogarts, but Kim has proven his value enough and brings enough value at second base, yeah. and the fact that Manny Machado might open the season as a DH coming off that surgery, so Kim needs to play third in the final year of his deal. There's just a lot of reasons why there's more stability keeping Xander there at shortstop for the time being, but that is all predicated on him kind of maintaining what he's done the last three seasons defensively. He's become a better defender at shortstop, and shortstops typically don't age well defensively, but since he's kind of made some adjustments to his, to his pre-pitch routine and, and kind of the way he attacks the baseball defensively, he's become a, a decent defensive shortstop, which when you pair it with the offensive numbers that he, that he posted, particularly in Boston, but even last season, like that's a pretty good player. And so I, I would agree with you. I don't think he had a – he obviously didn't have the kind of year he wanted to have in year one in San Diego, and he was still a, a four-win player because yeah. of what he does offensively and how he pairs it with, with what he does defensively at shortstop. That's a hard player to find. And so if he can just take – if he can – I mean – he was really, really good in Boston for some of those seasons. I think 880 OPS the last the, the five previous seasons before coming to San Diego. I mean, even if it's somewhere around like 830, 840 next season, which I think you can expect from a guy who hits like Xander Bogart. If you look at what he did in the second half last season, I think yeah. it was it was around 850. Uh, that is a that is an extremely valuable, useful player, and and the Padres if. if if they get what they got defensively from him last year, and like I said, it's hard for shortstops defensively when they when they kind of creep into their thirties. Uh, but if they get that, that's a that'll that'll be a really solid season from him. 
Talking to AJ Casville, MLB.com. And last one for me, AJ. We were talking yesterday. I found this prediction that Luis Campusano, with at least 400 plate appearances, would hit 20 home runs. Do you think that would? Do you think that number is too much, too little, or just about right? That sounds just about right to me. The 400 plate appearances is, is the obvious kind of question mark yeah. that's, that's, that's glaring to me because he hasn't he hasn't done that yet. And that's not to say he can't. It's not to say he won't. I think if he gets 400 plate appearances, which is probably the right number to shoot for also, I mean, he's not, you don't want, you probably don't want a catcher in his first full season in the major leagues getting 550 plate appearances and being the everyday guy. And it's part of the reason they traded for Higashioka was to, to have a one B to Camposano's one a. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, his ceiling is extremely high and he's kind of one of these, one of these guys where the Padres obviously are not going to replace Juan Soto with with, uh, with with one. There's no other Juan Soto coming into San Diego. But if they get a little bit more from Machado, a little bit more from Bogarts, if they get a guy like Camposano breaking out and he can be healthy for those 400 plate appearances and do what he did offensively, you start to see the pieces of why this offense could and I think maybe maybe should be better than what it was last season, even when they had Juan Soto. Lastly, AJ, I, I, you, you kind of hit on it a little bit in in terms of the. Um, up in the airness of, of Joe Musgrove, or no guarantees, I should say, with you, Darvish, and Joe Musgrove. But those two coming in are, should be healthy to start spring training. How big of a deal? Because remember, both of those guys had setbacks or and or, you know, the World Baseball Classic last year. How how important you think it will be for those two to, to have a healthy spring training in order to get off to a right start? Yeah, if those guys have a healthy spring and and just kind of a regular build up, and they get out on they get out on the mound, maybe maybe those are your two guys pitching in the Korea series, like that is that that is huge and a stark contrast to what happened last season when yeah. the Padres got off to their slow start and didn't have those guys reliably for early in the season and didn't have them at the end of the season either. And it's just if 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 those are your two guys and if Blake Snell's not coming back, that's those are the those are the guys you're going to rely on. And there are, I, I just, there are obviously question marks. There are both guys in their thirties who are coming off injuries. And so everything we've heard so far this off season is positive on that front, but you just want to see them get out during spring training and, and build up, throw those two innings and three innings and four innings and five. And once that all becomes real and they get to the point where they're ready for the regular season, if that's the case, that is, that is so big for this team because on top of those guys being really good pitchers when they're healthy they're kind of the leaders of this rotation and two of the the most well-respected guys in that clubhouse no doubt about it and and them getting off to a healthy start could could pay big dividends aj uh we're going to do this more often man it's about that time as i told you before we started (laughs) your time is coming to an end as is mine uh we we appreciate you coming (laughs) on thank you aj yeah thanks for having me guys as always, love having A.J. Casavell on. We'll be hearing from him a lot more as the season approaches. That's going to do it for Gwen and Chris, for Tony Gwynn Jr., for Matt Scraby, for Chris Ello out in uh, Logan. See What's you tomorrow. Up, Chris? <laughs> Hopefully his bus driver is a little faster to the airport yeah. on the way out than it was on the way in. Yeah, Scraby show up next.